Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we're recording live from the Sarn Institute discussing the 2009 horror thriller, Orphan. This film was directed by Halme Koye Serra with the screenplay by David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick and story by Alex Mace. Orphan takes the trope of an unnerving child and adds an unexpected twist. Dealing with themes of grief, trauma, gaslighting, and familial strain, this film is widely considered a success both to critics and horror fans. This film was requested to us by friends of the show, Dylan, Noreen S., Nora Ramirez, Rochelle Ann, and Jason Whitaker. We want to thank each of them for their support and for their suggestion. This film was also the winner of our Patreon poll, so thank you to all of our patrons who participated and voted. If you want to help us pick an episode, join us over on the Patreon at patreon.com slash thepodmortem. So, what did you guys think of Orphan the first time you saw it? I'll be honest, I can't really remember the first time I seen it, Mm -hmm. but I know it had to be after 2010. But I do remember really enjoying it the first time I seen it. Um, Not saying that I don't now, (laughs) but watching it for the show, I noticed a lot more that I didn't enjoy. Uh, I do still like the movie. I know at some point we'll cover the second one. Right. Um, Yeah. uh, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, Not saying that I don't enjoy this one. I do. But I feel like this one watching it and kind of analyzing it. There's a lot that I was just like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Um, But it it is a good movie. If If anybody's never seen it, I'd recommend watching it. I'm trying to remember the first time we saw it as well. I do remember kind of being somewhat underwhelmed until the twist. Right. And then from then on, it's like, oh, this movie's fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I think watching it again now for the show, I'm kind of in the same camp as JP. Yeah. I did enjoy it. It's a good movie. Yeah. But I did see more of the things that I was like, eh. Yeah. You know, and also having the sequel to... Uh, compare it to yeah i feel like this film kind of okay hear me out i don't even know if oh this, no <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if it's gonna make sense at all i feel like this film plays with tropes and kind of shocks you with a twist right whereas the second film plays with your expectations of that twists and so and socks you <laughs> and punches like, you in the face yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and shocks you with its subversion of what you're expecting in that regard. I'll right. say that because if that goddamn okay yeah All yeah. Right. But I do think I mean it is effective. Uh, I do have a lot of problems with some choices that are made. Yes, it's as I said, it's reliance on some tropes, mm-hmm. but also. Um, one character man yeah yeah i think we're all i think we're all in agreement here yeah with that i don't remember the first time i saw this either (laughs) i just remember being totally caught off guard by the twist yeah i was liking it up until then but it felt very like oh we know where this is going like this child that we've seen this before yeah and then uh what'd you say it socks you yeah (laughs) (laughs) so again i'm a lover of a twist mm-hmm. that has been planted because if you rewatch this knowing there are a lot of things oh, no, yeah. that is like, no, we've been dropping breadcrumbs pretty much since you meet her. Mm-hmm. But obviously we won't spoil that. We'll get yeah. to it. Yeah, of course. But um, I still really like this. The only thing that hurts it is watching it to analyze it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you said, there's one character that was incredibly frustrating that I don't remember being so angry. I was angry. <laughs> I think that's points. what it is, too. I yeah. think that's what it was, too. I don't remember feeling that way or really catching it because, again, it's a trope to a certain extent. But in this, it was pretty fucking egregious. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, And there are moments and I'll, you know, go into more detail when we get there that feel very rushed to me. It feels like this is OK. This is a two hour movie. Yeah. Which was very yeah. shocking. This won the poll. I've been wanting to do this for a, a while. I was no, pretty yeah. excited to do it. I looked at the runtime and was like. There must be a mistake. Like this, yeah. this is a 90, 95 minute movie. Yeah. This movie is two hours long. Yeah. I think what gets me as far as like the length of the film is that I don't know what I would cut. I don't. <laughs> I don't yeah, either. Okay. You know? okay. But so I, think, it's like I it, think that my issue is if you have a two hour runtime, when we get to certain points, I shouldn't be like, wait, what? What What happened yeah, there? Um, I, don't, I don't get closure yeah. on that. Or but None like, of that. Because there's like this slow burn element to a lot of it. And then it's like, no, we got in this right now. Like, I don't know. It's like, maybe that's like a pacing thing for me. I don't know. We'll get into it. But overall, I think there is a lot of greatness here. And I only appreciate it more after the sequel. Because I'll be honest, I was not expecting much from the sequel. No, because I felt like it was going to be, well, we've seen all this before. Exactly. Right. So where are they going to take us that? And they yeah. took us there. They, they yeah. Did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one day we will cover that yeah. as well. Yeah. But I feel like it just makes me a little more invested in this like fucked up little story that they're yeah. telling. Okay. So, I mean, I, I still really like this. I'll say not that I don't like it as much as I did, but that I have more issue with it than I did before. Okay. I think the one thing that we can say definitely in the positive column that we can kind of echo whenever we do cover the sequel yeah is isabel Furman. 100 percent. yeah because yeah. to me i swear to god we talk about this a lot about how it's a you know it's i don't know if it's okay but to me a lot of times a child actor's performance can break a film it yeah can. it can it can and i feel like there are such good child actors that it should never happen that you get a bad child actor yeah. in a film. yeah so when you see someone like isabel Furman, what was she like 12 she was little dude and it, fantastic yeah, yeah i watched um interviews with her and it's so funny watching this little kid she's a child (laughs) it's just so funny because she fucking kills it yeah Yeah. to me it kind of is at the level of like a Haley joel osmond yeah all right where they're like that these kids are like holy shit (laughs) they're on another level acting their asses off yeah you mean she's a kingdom hearts character sure (laughs) she's a what what? (laughs) did i say heartless no No. uh, (laughs) i'm very tired she's in kingdom hearts well that's who the character is modeled after true i forgot about that he plays uh sora (laughs) yeah right sure all right i thought i called her heartless no <laughs> You're like, oh, she, she was, I was like, you know, yeah. one, thing, one thing about her is she's definitely <laughs> organization 13. Right. Or does that weird dance. It's like, what the yeah, fuck? Of course. Yeah. Eat the Kyrie fruit or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's as far as you got. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know much of anything. <laughs> one thing I did want to say is I was kind of surprised. I did not know that this was Dark Castle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And 
it honestly makes sense because they did House of Wax and then the director of House of Wax directed this. Okay. And so you got that connection there. Yeah. But the other thing that really surprised me is I believe it's Appian Way, Appian Way, the name of the production company. Okay. It's Leonardo DiCaprio's production company. What the fuck? That's yeah. what shocked the hell out of me. Yeah. yeah. He was like, clearly I, I read that wrong. Yeah. I honestly, but then again, I mean, he kind of branched, he did, he produced Shutter Island. He produced yeah. Shutter uh, Island is so, so fucking good. And that's that's fucking Scorsese. We gotta, yeah, we got to do that yeah. one day. That's technically a horror film. It is a horror film. Okay. <laughs> God damn it. Jesus Christ. Is it um, just a bunch of blinds on a window or what? Shutter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing was, I read that this actually started there. One of the producers wrote a short treatment. All right. And it was like four pages. I read this on Bloody Disgusting. But he gives it to the writer, Johnson McGoldrick. Mm-hmm. And I read that he was actually Frank Darabont's assistant for five <gasps> years. Oh shit! And he was we with love him. Frankie D. Yeah, we. we hey, <laughs> yeah. I forgot we haven't talked about Frankie D in a long time. Hope he's listening. But <laughs> um, he actually, I haven't seen one screenplay on his filmography until he wrote the screenplay for Orphan. And so I guess he had been attached to a mini series that they were going to do called The Return of the Thing what yeah and he wrote that and then it never got made damn but um he did this and then they brought it to dark castle like i said with the director and everything Mm -hmm. uh the one thing i did appreciate was he said that his influences for writing the screenplay were shadow of a doubt alfred hitchcock 1943 Mm -hmm. and the bad seed of course i mean it's right there yeah Yeah. it's another one we should cover soon yeah um but i did also want to talk about the controversy Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Because I did read a lot of um, adoption organizations were very upset with this film. I get it. I I was going to say, I can really understand. I can understand why. Especially the marketing at the start with this film. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty, it wasn't great. (laughs) (laughs) But I did also notice whenever you start up the DVD, there's an ad uh, promoting adoption. Adoption. So I was like, well, that's at least, that's very nice. Right, right. They're like, don't listen to this shit. (laughs) This is just a movie. This is fiction. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now, before we adopt this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's join the family. The film opens with the title card, Orphan, white text against a black background, before we see that it's been defaced childishly with neon paint. After a second of this, it goes back to its original state and the screen gives way to white. There was also the opening with the production company mm-hmm. like little logos mm-hmm. and they also had the splotchy paint i love yeah. it and i was like submersion yeah. submersion <laughs> exactly i will say i do like the look of it and i think it's very interesting yeah they take it away too far they do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot with what is done yeah <laughs> but we'll get to that in a bit <laughs> out of the bright white kate and john coleman played by vera farmiga and peter sarsgaard walk into a hospital of course we love vera farmiga in this house mm-hmm. Very and much. peter sarsgaard is usually really great too yeah yes he's kind of underrated as an actor yeah, yeah. but he was pissing me off in this. Yes. <laughs> oh my god there's a lot to unpack and we will unpack it absolutely before we go any further, I do want to say, I know we don't typically do this, but I was really caught off guard by the opening. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this more than once. And I don't know if I blocked this out. Like, 
this is a lot. Yeah. So if um things with babies, um if that's triggering for you, I would suggest forwarding a little bit because protect your mental health. This is a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. So Kate is smiling and breathing through active labor as they approach the front desk. John signs them in and Kate is presented with a wheelchair to sit in. As the contraction hits her, she groans in pain but continues her breathing. John promises to meet up with her when he finishes signing in as delivery room nurse, played by Lenny Parker, pushes Kate away in her chair. She asks if this is their first child, but Kate says that it's their third. A bright white light shines over them as Kate says that they plan to name the baby Jessica. Another contraction hits as the nurse continues to push her slowly. In horror, Kate raises her hand to show that it's covered in blood. Blood drips from the wheelchair, leaving a trail on the floor that the nurse continues to walk through unfazed. So one thing I did want to say is that from the start of this entire sequence, mm-hmm. there's the haze of a dream. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so as it was going on, I was very hopeful that we would eventually Get yeah. be gone. Yeah. <laughs> Come out of Get this. Get out of this. Yeah. In the delivery room, a bright light turns on over Kate as the doctor, already in blood-stained white, snaps on his gloves. Now, his voice, Yeah, I was like, this is very clearly... Kate asks where John is, and the doctor assures her that he'll be along soon, but despite his mask and hat, the doctor looks just like John. Yeah. The nurse coldly and compassionlessly tells Kate that her baby did not survive. Kate protests this as she can still feel the baby moving. She begs to be put to sleep, but they tell her that it's too late for that. The doctor goes between Kate's legs, ready to deliver the baby, and Kate begins to scream in the bed. John finally comes in holding a video camera to capture the moment, zooming in on Kate's screaming face. The doctor passes off bloody instruments, eventually settling on a vacuum until finally a baby's cry is heard. The nurse presents Kate with a bloody baby wrapped in a blood-soaked blanket, congratulating her on her little girl. Kate screams until she wakes up in her bed next to John. So I just wanted to say this is a very bold start to this film. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I tried to really like condense it as short as possible because I feel like it went on for a yeah. while. Yeah. And it only got worse and worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of am of the mind, like we talked about Rosemary's baby, mm-hmm. the nightmare that she had. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that... What happened is horrible in Rosemary's Baby, but they kind of handled it in a less is more way. Yeah. This was like- More, little, more is more. Yeah. More is too much. Yeah. I was like, God damn. I don't know. I probably wouldn't have started it this way. Not that anyone asked me. Right. <laughs> but, They're like, T, should we? No. no <laughs> you no, shouldn't. Don't do it. No, but it was. I was very shocked because again, I've seen this a few times. Yeah. I don't know how I did not remember this happening. There was a lot that I didn't remember about this film. Yeah. That being one of them. Uh, another thing that was odd is that I never, ever caught on that he was also the doctor. Me neither. Yeah. So that to me is kind of like, wow, there's some kind of feeling that she feels about him. Yeah. Already. Manifesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of added for an interesting dynamic. That's true. There are a lot of good character mm-hmm. moments in this yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, some not. (laughs) (laughs) Some not as good. But this one, you know. (laughs) But Kate gets up and goes into the bathroom, staring at herself in the mirror. She raises her shirt to reveal a long scar on her stomach. She takes a large prescription pill before sitting alone. The camera pans up to the ceiling, which segues to snow, and we are looking through the window at Kate having an appointment with her therapist. I did kind of just want to call out the fact that she was able to take her pill with tap water. 
Yeah, yeah, we can't do that here. No, no, no. no. <laughs> we not cannot do all. that here. I was like, there are places in the world where yeah. tap water isn't Lucky them. <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty cool. Good for her. <laughs> <laughs> but inside, Dr. Browning, played by Margot Martindale, confirms that Kate's dreams could be a manifestation of the tragedy she suffered. Um, I'm sure we all remember her from Dexter. Of course. Yeah. I am, again, that's another thing I didn't remember was her being in this. Yeah. Because yeah. she's great. Mm-hmm. The cast is great. It yeah. really is. But Kate proposes that it could have nothing to do with that and offers that they're seeing kids for the first time this weekend. She thinks that the nightmare could mean that she's just not ready to adopt. She sits uncomfortably in her seat and admits that she drove by the wine shop the other night. Dr. Browning asks if she stopped, but Kate says that she didn't, even though she really wanted to. She didn't even think about buying wine for herself, just that it might be nice to have a bottle handy at home in case they have guests over. Dr. Browning confirms that Kate did not go inside. The important thing is that she resisted the urge, not that she had the urge. She assures Kate that if she weren't ready for adoption, she wouldn't have made it through the home study. But ultimately, this is her decision. I feel like already that was a little belittling, like from Mm. outside looking in. Obviously, I'm not a therapist, but the fact that she's like, maybe I'm not ready for this. And she's like, no, 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 you're ready. (laughs) That was really weird. Maybe listen to your patient. Yeah. (laughs) Strange. But in the next scene, Kate picks up her daughter, Max, played by Ariana Engineer from the school for the deaf. I was a little excited because she spells Ariana the same way as my Ariana. I did see that. And she is adorable. She is. I did read that she actually was born hearing impaired and I, has cochlear implants. Oh, all right. So she's playing. I love that. Yes. I actually read online that her mother, I believe, is deaf and she was discovered signing with her mom in public. I oh, love that. All right. So I nice. thought that was kind of nice. But Kate excitedly looks at a picture of a butterfly that Max made in school and kisses her daughter before they run to the car. In the car, Kate looks longingly at a pregnant woman crossing the street while she stopped at a red light. A car honks and she steps on the gas, not realizing that her light is still red. She has to slam on the brakes, narrowly avoiding a collision with a huge truck and scaring both her and Max. But why did they honk if it wasn't green? <laughs> That's I don't true. Know. What the fuck? What? You're just being a dick. Maybe now. it wasn't even a her. Maybe she just heard a honk. It was like, oh fuck. Are they honking at the pregnant woman. I don't know. They're like, the hurry fuck? up. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> why did that even happen? I'm gonna honk so that lady doesn't go. Yeah. <laughs> I need her to know it's Make not sure safe. Make sure she knows it's still red. I was laughing because the Lexus logo got prime. Of course. Yeah. They're oh, like, yeah. This movie brought to you by. <laughs> I did laugh as well because after this whole situation happens, Kate just sits in the intersection for like she yeah. 15 well, minutes. <laughs> 15 minutes. She's got to get her mind right, dude. Well, that's where the run time over. <laughs> yeah, we're like, where can we shave shit off? That, yeah. that 15 minutes. Yeah. Wouldn't, couldn't hurt. <laughs> Back at their insanely fucking gorgeous home. Mm-hmm. Kate plays the piano and writes a new piece, trying her best to ignore thudding coming from somewhere else. I'm again, I was going to make a joke here about the song that Renee sings mm-hmm. in Insidious, but <laughs> I, I won't subject anyone to that. She's looking west. Yeah, yeah. She's always been looking that way. She's going to be somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the song wasn't bad. The song was not bad. It really wasn't. And it speaks to a lot of our <laughs> deeper ambitions. But look, I did read that Vera Farmiga is a very, very, very talented pianist. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Because you see the camera pan up from her hands yeah. to yeah. her. Yeah, and I, yeah. whenever something like this is happening, like if it's an instrument or something, I'm waiting for that Exactly. Cut. Yeah. <laughs> 
she's not really playing that. It's like clearly not her hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was her. That's very cool. But when the thudding becomes more frequent, Kate gets frustrated. She goes outside where Max is throwing a basketball toward a hoop, but hitting the side of the house instead. She gets Max's attention and yells at her for being so loud while she's trying to work. Max signs that she's sorry and Kate quickly apologizes. She sweetly asks for Max to just take a break for a little bit while she works and Max agrees. She did kind of snap at her. She, de- yeah. she, she did. Your kid's got a basketball, Jones. Don't. Basketball, Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, come on. Let it happen. Yeah. Seriously. But John arrives home with their son, Daniel, played by Jimmy Bennett. Daniel immediately runs to Max and takes the basketball away from her. He scores a basket and John rushes over to play with them, lifting Max so she can get a basket as well. They celebrate with the high five as Kate watches. I, <laughs> the... Child actor does a very good job. Yeah. yeah. This character is a dick. He's, yeah. he's a little shit. For I do sure. not like this kid. <laughs> There's a little redemption later on. But Too he, late. He's a little he's a little <laughs> asshole for sure. But again, he's good. Yes. Yeah. Max no, is good. Is. Like yeah. all of the kids really fucking bring I, it. I did enjoy this because they do look genuinely happy. They do. They this do. made me feel like, okay. You know like a, I mean? like, like they're yeah. a real family. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think that works as well because it's like they were, you know, they weren't trying to fix their family yeah yes. no. their yeah. family is fantastic yeah. yeah and they're trying to bring someone into a already happy family exactly yeah. it was funny to me though that she's like please just be quiet for a minute when i so i can work and then john comes home and he's like kobe yeah. <laughs> like, okay, never mind See? i guess that's what it is yeah <laughs> never mind yeah. you're hungry what? <laughs> yeah <laughs> Daniel runs into the house, barely answering Kate when she asks how practice went. They all head inside, leaving the basketball abandoned in the carport. That night, Kate carries Max up to bed. Max removes her hearing aids, and we see things from her point of view. With the sound muted, she presents Kate with the story, and Kate proposes that maybe they could read something else tonight. Max insists, though. Kate relents, and she signs the story for Max. It's a children's book about coping with the loss of a new sibling. Kate gets through the story, and when Max asks if baby Jessica is an angel, Kate says, yes, a beautiful angel. She tucks Max into bed, and Max asks if she's going to get a new sister. Kate answers her honestly that she doesn't know. This scene, I was like, my eyes were full of tears. I did not remember this being so emotional. Right. I think there's something about the use of silence. Mm. Yeah. I think and there, I don't know, it's almost like interpretive dance in a way that um, movement can affect you emotionally. Right, yeah. right. The way that she does the sign for heaven. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I can't I'm do this. <laughs> yeah. It was very emotional. Yeah. Like, it was a lot. But I think that it's very interesting that they're almost treating this like a drama. Yeah. Beforehand. Yeah. Before we add the horror into it. Yeah. Yeah. Kate's diary entry that night reveals that she's struggling emotionally and mentally after having had a hysterectomy. She uses a flyer for the St. Mariana Home for Girls as a bookmark before closing her journal and hiding it. We follow her as she walks to the bathroom and takes another pill. When she closes the cabinet, she's startled by John, who is standing behind her. So earlier in the film, whenever she woke up from her nightmare, mm-hmm. there was like the way the shot was framed is you thought someone was going to be behind, behind yeah. her. Yeah. And then now they actually do it. And it's yeah. like, oh, you guys are doing those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. And then he's like, what? It's just your husband. Yeah. Like, Come on, dude. <laughs> it's just your husband. Yeah. <laughs> she tells him that he smells good and the two kiss. But before things can progress any further, Kate shakes her head. John nods, leaves the bathroom and gets into bed. 
Kate joins him, lamenting that she needs to stop being like this. But John says that he understands. Kate explains that she's happy, but she gets nervous and scared. The last time she was this happy and excited, it was right before their loss. John says that he doesn't want her to feel like she has to do this for his sake, but she assures him that it's not just for him. She wants to take the love that they have and give it to a child that really needs it. She lays on his chest and he strokes her hair, asking if she's sure. After a moment, Kate confirms that she is. So they're coming at this with the best intentions. Yeah. Right. I'm pretty sure there's a saying about good intentions. I can't just uh, place I it I think now. it's that everything always turns out fine when you have good intentions. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. So this is going to be great. Oh, okay. Short, <laughs> short film. And the credits roll. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to them pulling up to the St. Mariana home for girls. They park amongst the other cars that are here for the open house and get out. When Kate looks up at the top window, someone looking down crouches out of sight. John and Kate are greeted warmly by Sister Abigail, played by CCH Pounder. Dude, I love her. Yeah. I know. I was like, what the fuck? I, uh, I felt bad because I was thinking of Dennis Reynolds. Me too. Depression. <laughs> it's so on point. But I will say that she's great on the shield as well. <laughs> but the person in the upstairs window looks down at them again. They head inside and look at the girls running around and playing. In a quiet hallway, John hears someone singing Glory of Love and follows the voice upstairs while Kate watches the girls play downstairs. John passes a hallway full of drawings hung up on the walls as he approaches a classroom with the door cracked open. Inside, he sees a little girl sitting alone with her back to the door singing Glory of Love as she paints. He starts to leave, but the girl stops singing and calls out to him, so he goes into the classroom. He finds a stack of shockingly good paintings next to her and asks if she did all of them. Like, they're good. Yeah, they are. Yeah. She says that she did. And when she asks if he likes them, he tells her that they're remarkable. She turns to smile at him and thank him. And we finally see her. Esther, played by Isabel Furman. I know we've already said this, but goddamn, does she do a fucking amazing job in this? No, her performance is incredible. Mm -hmm. I did see an interview with her. They had talked about um, how she got the part, which was very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Whenever she, I guess, sent in her first tape for the audition, Mm -hmm. they, she had said, this is whenever she was promoting Orphan First Kill. Yeah. She said that she owes her entire career to Leonardo DiCaprio because he saw it and he was the first producer that was like, no, we need to look at her. Yeah. He did that point. Yeah. He, <laughs> <laughs> he did the snap and point. Yeah. <laughs> but he said that he was like, look, Esther is going to be Isabel Furman or I'm taking this film to another studio. Wow. <laughs> and so. Well, he was fucking right. Yeah. Because I read that early, like they wanted her to be like very, very blonde. Yeah. And like, you know doll like or whatever but Why? i mean she i is, don't know she's <laughs> perfect well i mean isn't there the thing with leonardo dicaprio kind of like chuck norris like we're only alive because chuck norris allows it other people only get parts yeah because leonardo <laughs> dicaprio Bale said that somebody said that holy shit yeah. You're right. yeah he we did. only get parts because he turned them down yeah is what they said well there was a time that they were trying to give everything to him <laughs> <laughs> he's great i like, mean it's all right even yeah. when he, <laughs> even when he was like a kid Yes, Christian well, Bell was a child actor. He's like, I got to deal with this my whole fucking yeah. life. <laughs> He's fighting bears now. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> but John introduces himself. They shake hands and he sits in one of the desks behind her. Downstairs, Sister Abigail sidles up to Kate and says that she never gets tired of watching the children enjoy the party. Kate apologizes for not doing this sooner, but Sister Abigail is understanding. 
It's a huge leap and adopting an older child isn't an easy decision at all. Kate looks back at the children and says that John went to the bathroom. Sister Abigail asks if John should try to find them or if Kate should go look for her husband. Back upstairs, John asks where Esther got the idea for her painting. Esther says that all of her paintings tell stories. And this painting is about a mother lion who is sad because she can't find her cubs. John notes that the lioness is smiling in the painting, but Esther explains that that's because she's dreaming about her babies. That's the only time she's happy. John says that he hopes she'll find her babies, but Esther assures him that she will. She dips her brush into more paint and begins to paint the cubs behind the sleeping mother. I got to admit, I felt like <laughs> it's the miracle of painting because whenever she first dips it, I was like, well, that's just a splotch. I don't <laughs> hold I'll the fort. <laughs> a cub is born <laughs> before our very eyes. <laughs> I'll be goddamned. I also did want to talk about um, her dedication to the role because she worked with a dialect coach to perfect this accent. Damn. Oh, nice. And you're like a child actor. Like, yeah. God damn. Yeah. She really, really does it this, with this. Does it? <laughs> she does it. <laughs> it is great work. Is what yeah. I meant. <laughs> she really does it. She says that they were lost without their parents, the cubs, but they finally find their mother asleep under a tree. She paints the cubs cuddled up behind her and says that when the mother wakes up, her dreams will come true and she'll have her babies again. John is astonished that Esther came up with the story, and this is when Kate and Sister Abigail find them. John immediately introduces Kate to Esther, and John shows off her artwork. Kate compliments her work genuinely and asks how Esther learned how to paint like this. Esther just says that she's had a lot of time to practice because it's really boring here. She begins to paint a face on her cub, and Kate asks if it's so boring, why doesn't she come down to the party? Esther doesn't see the point of going to the party because no one has ever talked to her before because she's different. Kate says that there's nothing wrong with being different. And John jokes that Kate and Esther both have that in common. And, and Kate like <laughs> beats the shit out of her. <laughs> no, she playfully smacks him, but it's like, it's a lot. Yeah, it yeah. was like four smacks though. <laughs> Talk about cutting shit. Let's cut that. <laughs> it was yeah, a lot. there you go. One yeah. smack. <laughs> One smack maximum. <laughs> One smack max. <laughs> But Sister Abigail watches all of this with a small smile. Esther continues to paint as she says that people should always try to take the bad things that happen to them and turn them into something good. She asks if they agree and they both say that they do. Kate looks back at Sister Abigail who gives her a wink. So that was one thing I did notice this time that I hadn't noticed before. Yeah. Uh, whenever Sister Abigail takes them into the room. Yeah. She kind of looks a little uneasy. And then it's only At later first, uh -huh. that she kind of is smiling and winking and all that. Yeah. And it's like, what's... Be right. That, okay. That kind of got me too, because at first she does look like uncomfortable or like oh fuck yeah. they found her or something. <laughs> they found her. And then when she's smiling I'm like oh maybe she's just because Esther's like antisocial. Yeah. I mean I don't know but I noted that too. But in Sister Abigail's office she takes out her file on Esther. She says that Esther is originally from Russia and they're surprised at how strong her English is because she's only been in the country for a few years. She says they don't typically get children from other countries, and when they do, they're hard to place. The family that brought Esther to the U.S. died in a house fire, and Esther barely got out. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, right. interesting. <laughs> Sister Abigail says that Esther has been through a lot, 
but she's very special, mature, and well-mannered. She calls her a bit of a princess. She always wears the ribbons on her wrists and her neck, and the only time they've ever had trouble with her is when they've tried to take them off. I was like, so clearly, once you take the ribbon around her neck off, her head's gonna fall off. Yeah. <laughs> like, we all know this part, right? In her hands, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Duh, I mean, obviously. Is that leave, a fairy tale? Leave or? them on. I don't yeah. know what the fuck it is. But, <laughs> but it's terrible. But it's been yeah. stuck in my head since I was a child. I know Anthony Jerome has posted about it multiple times well, as well. it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> that one never leaves. Was that in The Wolf Among Us as well? Yeah. All right. (laughs) (laughs) But Kate says that Esther really did seem to open up to them. And Sister Abigail agrees that there did seem to be a real connection. She offers to get the adoption paperwork ready within three weeks. We cut to John and Kate. I... (laughs) When I wrote the script, I tried to put Kate and John a lot because John and Kate just makes me think of John and Kate plus eight. (laughs) (laughs) But we cut to them stepping outside of the girl's home with Esther close behind them. Kate extends her hand and Esther takes it. They walk away, Sister Abigail waving and John carrying Esther's bags while Kate holds her hand. I think now would be a good time. Uh, We can kind of tease a little bit because there was a subplot that went along with this. Yes. Mm -hmm. I read it in the screenplay. It was completely cut. And it's it good. Sh- yeah. It should have been. But we'll talk about it once we know a little bit more. Yeah. All right. All right. But John holy Paul, shit. you're going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but in the car, they all seem happy. Esther sits in the back practicing her sign language. Kate helps her a bit and watches happily as Esther figures out how to sign Max. I thought that was fucking adorable. It's like the sweetest thing. Yes. Yeah. As they pull up to their house, Esther asks if this is their home. And John reminds her that it's her home now, too. Seeing this house, we can guess what his job is. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense because this is just yeah. fucking hell. Stunning. Yeah. <laughs> you tried that <laughs> last week. <laughs> I can't stop. Or was it on Talk Mortem? I think it was Talk Mortem. Okay. I can't stop saying it. But they, <laughs> they get out of the car and we see Max looking down at them from the window. She rushes outside and hugs her mother before looking excitedly at Esther. Esther signs hello to her and introduces herself. Kate tells Max that Esther practiced that the whole way and Max beams. Esther asks if Max can hear at all and Kate says that she can a little bit. She was born completely deaf, but her hearing aids allow her to hear enough to be able to read lips. She tucks Max's hair behind her ear to show Esther. They all head inside, John lugging in Esther's suitcases behind them. Inside, John introduces Esther to Grandma Barbara, played by Rosemary Dunsmore. Esther curtsies, telling Barbara that it's a pleasure to meet her. Max looks overjoyed at this, and Barbara is impressed, but Daniel just watches quietly from the kitchen. Could, I I think that she does well, the actress, but could this film have worked without Grandma Barbara? 100%. Oh, yeah. All she did was piss me off. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Nicole, yeah. Get the fuck up, Grandma Barbara. Like, get the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) All she did was make me mad. You and your little raggedy ass son. Get the fuck out. Anyway, (laughs) we'll get there. We'll get there. (laughs) He finally comes out so his father can introduce them. Esther greets him warmly and Daniel shakes her hand. She walks away and Daniel like fucking stage whispers to John asking (laughs) why she dresses that way. Like it's loud as fuck. Well, I will say, okay, he stage whispers. Yeah. But at least it's a whisper. Yeah. yeah. Because if John's intention was for Esther not to hear anything, he goes, hey, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, now she knows. Yeah. Something was definitely said. Yeah. <laughs> he does loudly tell him to stop. 
Esther spots the piano and is very excited. Kate asks if she would like to learn to play, and Esther says that she would love to. She walks into her bedroom with the family behind her. There's a nice bed, a fish tank, a desk, stuffed animals, art on the walls. Kate asks if she likes it, and Esther tells her that it's perfect. We cut to her opening a gift from Max, the American Sign Language Dictionary. Esther asks Kate how to sign thank you, and once Kate teaches her, she does it. Max signs back that she's welcome. As John presents Esther with another gift, we see that Daniel is on the other side. <laughs> He's on the other side of the living room, separated by the stairs. He's playing Guitar Hero with his friends, played by Mustafa Abdel Karim and Landon Norris. As John playfully gives Esther her present, Daniel tries to get John's attention to show him how he's doing on the game. John's like, yeah, great. (laughs) (laughs) Esther unwraps her present to reveal an easel. She's thrilled, but Daniel's like, Dad, look, my solo's almost over. And John's like, yeah, cool. Esther hugs John and smiles at Daniel over his shoulder. Daniel's like, come on, guys, this is lame. (laughs) (laughs) It stinks in here. (laughs) It's your game. Yeah. Yeah. And first of all, it's very funny to me because John clearly can't see anything from where he's sitting. No, he doesn't give a fuck. The stairs are in the way. Fucking Daniel's playing with his teeth and (laughs) (laughs) lighting it on fire like Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) He's like, Dad, look. (laughs) He's like, come on. (laughs) We understand. Yeah, great. Cool. (laughs) It just, I think that bothered me a lot because- this is Esther's introduction to the family. Yeah. Be there with your family. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's... They should, <laughs> he shouldn't have friends over and he's fucking tearing it up on yeah, guitar. On the cool, yeah. yeah. But like also, when you introduce a new child into the home, you can't make the children already there feel like they don't fucking matter anymore. Yeah. That's true. So like, both of them are wrong. Like, yeah. this is, this is, he's like, yeah, fucking whatever. Esther's unwrapping gifts. Like, shut the fuck up. And I it's, don't know. It's funny because Surrender by Cheap Trick, it's like, yeah. he's, it's voicing Daniel's inner turmoil. Yeah. They just seem a little weird. <laughs> It was just the absolute wrong way for all yeah, of this to go down. Was, yeah. But the boys go outside to Daniel's like badass treehouse. Yeah. As soon as they climb up, Daniel takes some nudie mags from out of a little like hidey hole in the floor. Mm-hmm. He passes one over to his friends, telling them that page 34 will change their lives. <laughs> like, <laughs> calm down. The boys remark that the woman on the page looks like Daniel's mom, and Daniel just continues to be pissed off. He's like, this is the refuge that I have. (laughs) Well, it was funny to me because whenever they said that, they're like, this looks like your mom, dude. And his face is like, oh my God, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they just shattered his world. This was the only thing that brought me joy. Now you ruined page 34 for me. (laughs) It did change my life. (laughs) Yeah. Kate does the dishes in the kitchen and watches Max and Esther play in the snow outside the window. Barbara walks in, commenting that the girls seem to be getting along well, and Kate agrees. Barbara looks out the window and asks what Max is doing. She's playing by the pond like nothing happened. She guesses that Max doesn't remember, and Kate says that that's fine. Kate eats some cake, and Barbara asks what her plans are. After Esther gets settled, Kate plans to go back to teaching. Barbara's like, I thought they weren't going to take you back. But Kate isn't talking about Yale, where I guess she worked before. I was like, God damn, that's how y'all have this house. She says that she was thinking of giving lessons out of the house. 
Barbara says that it's a shame because that was a really good job. I'd be like, get the fuck out. Yeah, what kind They're, of no, shit I'd is be that? like, jump out, your mom's being fucking mean. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing to me is that literally she's had like maybe five lines in this scene. Yeah. One scene is reminding Kate of one of the most traumatic experiences yes. of her entire life. Yeah. And then the other thing is like, oh, I thought that they hated you. Yeah. yeah. She's like, dude, you like, really fucked up. Like yeah, that was a good a job. Bridge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go away. Getting annoyed, Kate reminds her that she didn't quit because she wanted to. Barbara says that she knows Kate had to have her moment of clarity. But Kate says that moment of clarity is an AA term. She didn't go to AA. She just stopped drinking. Barbara doubles down, though, saying it's the same thing. We all need a wake up call sometimes. With that, she just leaves the kitchen. And Kate returns to the window to watch Esther spinning Max around in the snow. But I'm like, what a bitch. Yeah, yeah, she's nothing but horrible. And then Thank later, you for being so supportive during this yeah. time. <laughs> later, she only gets worse for me. Yeah. Because like... Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just can't... That whole that whole side of the family. The, honestly, yeah. yeah. I could really do That's without... Yeah. 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 But that night, as it snows and a storm starts outside, Kate writes in her journal before tucking it back under a cushion. She goes into her bedroom where John sleeps. She stands for a moment before climbing under the blankets and giving John the old wakey wakey eggs and fellatio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you fucking serious. <laughs> <laughs> but in her room, Esther is awakened by the thunder and starts to walk down the hallway. No, 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 no. No, bullshit. When she sits up, there's a noise, a very playful, like, bling noise. <laughs> I was like, is this her fucking Spidey sense? You knew dad was getting domed, so you oh want to get God. up? Not domed. You, yeah. you can't even enjoy your time. You can't touch yourself. Then Sam screaming this, at the fucking say, door. This what made the me fuck, think of dude? the Come Babadook on. when yeah, you were don't so do. Go to sleep. Go back to sleep. Don't come to my fucking room at night. I, J- JP, if, if JP runs for president, his entire platform is parents being able to have <laughs> Look, we work hard, all right? We ask for so little. Let us enjoy ourselves, all right? Give us 20 minutes and then come ask for more chicken nuggets or some shit. Whatever it is. Immediately made me think of Sam in the Babadook. Fucking up his mom's shit in the Babadook because you were like personally offended. Oh, come on. I think he took a point off of this. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. He's like, that's the worst thing this child has done. But in Max's room, Max sleeps peacefully until we see Esther standing over her, suddenly illuminated by lightning. So for me personally, we're, I feel like they are trying to build suspense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Possibly do it a little more gradually because we have this shot of Esther looking like a horror villain. Yeah. With the lightning strike and a music cue. Well, no, no, it was. (laughs) But I mean, what happens in a second, maybe we're supposed to be like, oh, well, it's it. Oh, it was innocent. You know what I mean? But that shot wasn't. It wasn't. (laughs) They're playing with us. I don't like it. In Kate and John's bedroom, they're making out when there's a knock at the door. It opens to reveal Esther and Max. Esther says that they're scared of the storm and want to sleep in bed with their parents. She proclaims that she wants to sleep next to daddy. Kate laughs and John situates himself before the girls jump into bed and everyone goes to sleep. John's like, you got to fucking give me a minute. <laughs> what did you say? no goddamn storm. Get the like, fuck out of here. I got to switch gears. Yeah, I got to switch gears. So. <laughs> No. Yeah, I was like, why don't y'all take a lap and come back? Yeah. Like, I don't. Go, go get some milk yeah, or whatever. Go. Get some warm milk from the kitchen. Right. <laughs> Daddy's got to deflate. Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, goddamn, you didn't need to come over there like that. No. 
The next morning, <laughs> Kate kisses John as he heads off to work. He says he'll call later to check in and confirms that she's going to answer the phone when he calls before he leaves. I thought that was weird. Yeah. He's like, are you going to answer? And she's like, yeah. Is there, again, I don't know. There's yeah. like more of a past, yeah. I guess. But as Daniel and Max stand by the door ready for school, Esther is upstairs putting some fresh ribbons on her wrists and her neck. Kate calls down because it's time to leave and we see their reaction, including Daniel saying, you got to be kidding me before we see Esther. <laughs> Keep some of this to yourself. I know. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. She descends the stairs in a pretty formal white dress, a purple cardigan, tights and her maroon ribbons. Max and Daniel laugh and Kate tells them to go wait in the car. They leave and Kate tells Esther that she doesn't really think this is a dress for school. Esther says that it's pretty, and while Kate agrees, she says she doesn't think Esther will be comfortable in it. But Esther sees right through this. She tells Kate that she's just afraid the other kids will laugh at her, but she reminds that Kate told her there's nothing wrong with being different. All Kate can do is tell her that she's right and to have fun. I was like, this is kind of the first little moment where it's like, I don't want to say manipulation, no. but it's like, no, I filed that away. Yeah. And now here it is again. You know what I mean? It feels like an intelligence beyond. Very oh, much. Yeah. yeah. To where you're like, oh, well, I thought you said. Yeah. Like, Fuck. It's like, God damn. Okay. All have right. a good yeah. day. Yeah. Like, you, what can you say to that? And she won. Yeah, she did. But at school, just as class starts, Esther's teacher, played by Gemma James Smith, introduces her to the class. Esther has a big smile until Brenda, played by Jamie Young, holds up an invisible phone and says that Bo Peep just texted her. She wants her outfit back. And Esther's like, well, the jerk store called. (laughs) (laughs) They're running out of you. (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, I, cause I was thinking the same thing. I was like the nineties called. They want their joke set up back. I know. But the class was like, oh my God. (laughs) We never watched sitcoms. We we never heard that before. This is comedy. This is comedy. The teacher just tells Esther to take her seat and begins to instruct the class to open their books. But Esther eyes Brenda the whole way to her chair. You've made an enemy for life. Yeah, Yeah. no, you done fucked up. Back at home, Esther runs across the frozen pond outside of the house while pulling Max behind her in a sled. Kate runs outside, screaming for them to get off the water. She signs to Max that she knows she's not supposed to play there. The girls listen and get off, walking away with their heads down. Later, Daniel uses a paintball gun to shoot action figures that he has set up in front of a target. He's nailing it and very pleased with himself. But when a pigeon lands on the top of the target, Daniel hesitates. He aims at the unsuspecting pigeon and fires. He hits it and it falls into the snow. I feel like he's too old to be learning cause and effect. Well, it's like, what did you think was going to happen? Exactly. Like this is... I mean, I get it's a paintball, but... It's still a tiny bird. Yeah. It's I a mean, bird. pigeons can get big, but they are, I mean, in comparison to us, yeah, they're well, pretty small. <laughs> yeah, you know what yes, I mean? they are. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you're right. He yeah. is yeah. old enough to know. Exactly. You know how small that bird is, dude. What did you think was going to go on? And you're telling me you have a paintball gun, but you've never been shot yourself with a paintball? No, you thought the pigeon was going to take out a little pigeon paintball uh, gun. Right, <laughs> you would be like, right, game right. on, motherfucker. <laughs> 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 but Daniel puts down his gun and rushes over to the pigeon, twitching and splattered with paint. Esther and Max approach hand in hand to find Daniel looking down at the bird. Esther asks if he killed it and Daniel tearfully confesses that he didn't think he would actually hurt it. It's just a paintball gun. He also said it was an accident. It wasn't an accident. accident. (laughs) You hesitated and then continued to make the decision. He was like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) You little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) 
But Esther picks up a large rock and tries to hand it to Daniel. She compels him to put the bird out of its misery because it's suffering. And this is Daniel's responsibility now. He protests, saying that it was just an accident. But Esther says that if he leaves, it's going to starve to death. She asks him if that's what he wants, but he maintains that he's not doing it. Without another word, Esther brings the rock down hard, smashing and killing the bird. Her eyes still focused on Daniel. She signs to Max that it's okay. It's in heaven now. Daniel's like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Before running off. Max just looks up at Esther. Esther drops the bloody rock and they walk away. In 2009, watching it, I was like, wow, this is such a gruesome scene. Yeah. In 2022, watching it, I was like, wow, this is a visual representation of what Elon Musk has done to Twitter since he took over. (laughs) (laughs) I love Twitter. I'm like heartbroken. Let's buy it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Yes. But but I know like we talked about an invitation uh-huh. when that happened at the beginning. So is she doing the right thing or I mean, do we leave the bird there? I mean <laughs> To me it still feels like she's just kind of I guess projecting a level of maturity. Okay. Yeah. More like beyond what they're understanding. Yeah, yeah. And so to me, it's like, well, this is probably what an adult might do. Yeah. And so it do- it didn't come off as weird exactly. It's a little brutal the it way is. that she does it. But uh, the fact that it's, she's just very casual, like, oh, well, now you have to kill it because you did this. I mean, it's not like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> me now, I yeah. would be like crying. Yeah, I couldn't. I'm an adult. Yeah. Like, the fact that this child's like, well, you got to put it out of its mid-. Like, that's a lot. Like, I'm sorry? Yeah. yeah. I will say no birds were harmed, obviously. Yeah. No, really. <laughs> they said that it was like a little thing that inflated and deflated and was filled oh, with all blood. Right, all right. So it was, uh, the bird's fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a stunt bird that took the shot. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Phew. Yes. But later, Kate runs a bath for Esther and tells her to call if she needs anything before leaving her in the bathroom alone. Kate walks away and we zoom in on the door until we see the lock engage once Kate's out of sight. Kate hears this and comes back, confirming that the door is locked when she tries the knob. She tells Esther to open it and she does, standing in the crack of the door in a robe. She tells Kate that she always locks the door, but Kate reminds her that they don't lock doors in this house. Esther asks what if someone comes in and sees her, but Kate promises to stand guard. No one is going to come in and see her. Esther offers to sing for Kate to prove that she's okay. She used to do that for the sisters. Kate looks suspicious, but she finally relents, saying that it's just for tonight. She closes the door again and the lock immediately engages. It made me laugh because she's like, I'm not trying to lock myself into a routine of every night. This is one time. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we don't know what kind of home that she's come from no i would probably just let her lock the that's, fucking door th- that's what what i was this was kind of weird to me cause like it's if like, that's how you're she's comfortable. in a new home yeah not only that there is a what preteen boy there yeah there the is dad, i mean not saying anything bad about them but i mean she also needs her she, privacy she's true she's, she's new here yeah she's new yeah. why would you make her feel nobody locks doors okay i get that but Letter, you know what I mean? I'm brand new. Yeah, she yeah. just got here. And she's coming from a communal living space. Yes. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. So yeah. she has her habits. I feel like... I know a lot of a lot of uh, families institute a no-locked-door situation. 
And I mean, I, if that works for you, that's fine. But I just feel like these are extenuating circumstances where like... You said she's in the bathroom? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's, so, ta- she's taking a bath. Wait, so you're telling so me that I can't, yeah, I can't John like, goes to take a shit and he's like, the door is open? No, it's not yeah. open. <laughs> oh, it's oh, just unlocked. Yeah. <laughs> well, but what if it flies open? <laughs> what if it's someone not comes in and sees yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what, like, you can't do a one-size-fits-all rule. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand maybe the bedrooms, yes. but the yeah. bathroom. That's fine. Why? Why can't I lock the door in the bathroom? That's know. the most private of. Yeah. yeah. Like, I just feel like even if that's the rule, give her a, give her yeah. a break, man. But we hear Esther singing Glory of Love as Kate goes around the house with the laundry basket. She goes into Esther's room and sees the beginning of a painting of a, a very big building. I don't know if it's a house. I assumed it might have been the orphanage. Yeah. But, uh,. It's not. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see later. I, <laughs> I was kind of wondering if she knew any other songs, though. No, <laughs> just, just the one. She's just like jam. Just <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> I got the. Sometimes you only need the one. <laughs> but Kate hangs up one of Esther's dresses in the closet before going to the dresser. She pulls the top drawer open, revealing Esther's clothes to be fastidiously neat. But when she tries to close it back, there's something in the way. She reaches into the back of the drawer and finds a small Bible held closed with a rubber band. She starts to take the band off, but stops, looking back toward the bathroom where we can still hear Esther singing. Instead, she pulls out a photo from inside. It's a ripped photo of a man, like the man was ripped out of a larger picture. Kate drops the Bible, and when she bends down to pick it up, we see the bathroom door open behind her. We approach her from behind as Kate slides the photo back into the Bible, but when she turns around again, no one is there. She puts the Bible back into the back of the drawer and leaves Esther's room. I, the POV shot was a bit much for me. Yeah. <laughs> Especially to turn around to nothing. It's yeah. nothing, yeah. Esther continues to sing, but when Kate heads downstairs with the laundry basket, she sticks her head out of the room and stares at Kate. So did she run up on her spot and then run away? I don't know. Okay. I do not know. <laughs> At school, the bell rings. As the students fill the halls, Daniel walks with his friends. One of them uses really fucking gross language to call Esther stupid. And when they pass her in the hall, Daniel knocks her books out of her hands and tells her to watch it. Esther falls down and Daniel and his friends just walk away. I don't know why he thinks he won't be hearing about this later yeah <laughs> that's what that's one thing too that i i was like what it's an, it's unbelievable and i and i i can't think of it off the top of my head but i know this has been done before where it's like the brother and sister don't like each other but that's your sibling right even if you don't get along what would make you think to go slap your siblings books out of their hands in front of everybody and not think that you're not going to get your ass whooped when you get home or I feel, whatever. I feel like it's bad enough if like his friend did it and he just laughed about it. But oh, the no, fact yeah, that, that he, he did he's it. Yeah. Like, that's a lot. Oh, no. That's a lot. Yeah, no. And uh, can we talk about how their interactions have not been really that negative at, at all? all? Yeah. <laughs> but he, you know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, whatever happens to this kid. <laughs> yeah. It uh, <laughs> happens to this kid. <laughs> It's it's just weird the way that they treat her there. I yes. guess she's a new kid and she's whatever. She's dressed a little different, I, but but it's not that bad. It's no, it's not. and then even that, even if she was wearing anything different or more than that, who cares? Yeah, I feel like if these kids would have been nicer to her, 
Maybe things would have been a little different. <laughs> Who knows? For yeah, at least a couple yeah, of them. Yeah, a couple of them. <laughs> Kids are just cruel. Yeah. They are. But one of the books that fell is the Bible that Kate found in Esther's drawer. Brenda picks it up. Remember the little Bo Peep text yeah. girl? Mm. Mockingly asking Esther if it's a Bible as she gets to her feet. Esther nods and Brenda holds it over her head. She says that the Jesus freak brought a Bible to school today and Brenda's friends laugh. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that shocked me. It's yeah. like, in 2009, like a 12 year old is like, we we're going, we have a secular agenda at this school. <laughs> we don't do that. I think she's supposed to be nine. Oh, that's just <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> Nobody's saying that at age nine. I didn't no, know. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't hear anybody make fun of somebody about that till I was in high school. Yeah. yeah. I don't even think I thought about, <laughs> I think I thought about religion until like last week. <laughs> but brenda holds it out to esther and esther tries to take it back but she doesn't let go this results in a tug of war that sends pages flying out of the book esther scrambles to pick them all up and daniel's friend makes fun of her again calling her daniel's sister but daniel sets the record straight that esther is not his sister as she picks up the papers from the ground, Esther is approached by Brenda, who calls her a doggy because of her collar. She reaches out to grab the collar, and this is the line for Esther. She lets out a high-pitched scream, causing everyone in the hallway to stop and stare at her. When you're fucking relentlessly bullying yeah. and laughing at somebody, I don't know why they were like, my god yeah like, this was the line i don't well i think it was the line because it went on for too long it was it was a long scream yeah i and the, they, they were fucking bothering her they were <laughs> but we got like three angles of it yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I, did. I did kind of think that this scene transition makes no sense for me personally yeah i thought it was going to cut to them in the principal's office no oh, yeah. Uh, yeah we cut back back home yeah. yeah where kate and esther are at the piano and kate is giving her a lesson they <laughs> stop and esther looks sad but kate tells her that she did really good esther says that she didn't she made like 11 mistakes that's kind of how i <laughs> <laughs> kate laughs this off but esther vows very seriously to do better next time kate says that esther's teacher told her what happened today at school and asks if she wants to talk about it Esther says that there's nothing to talk about, but Kate tells her that she's here for her. She says that she wants to show her something, and she takes out a book that looks just like her diary. She says that she has one that she keeps as a diary, but she thought that she and Esther could use this one as a scrapbook. She shows Esther the photos inside, Kate and John on their wedding day, Daniel smiling when he was seven years old on Christmas morning, Max as a baby being held by John, and then finally a photo of Esther and Max with the caption, Esther joins the family. So I do want to say I thought this was very sweet. Yeah. But it also spoke to Esther's maturity because she smiled at the picture of Daniel when she should have been like, that's that little shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it all started with him. Esther suddenly stops smiling and asks who Jessica is because Max talks about her. We cut to an inscription on a plaque. I never held you, but I feel you. You never spoke, but I hear you. I never knew you, but I love you. The plaque sits in white roses. Kate reads the inscription tearfully and Esther asks what happened. Kate tells her honestly that she passed away before she was born and they spread her ashes in this plant. As it grows, a part of Jessica is alive inside of it. 
Esther begins to cry and tells her that Jessica would have been lucky because Kate is a great mommy. Kate hugs Esther and they both cry. She thanks her, saying that it means a lot. So again, I was getting a little misty on this part. Yes! I was like, what is this salty just discharge? <laughs> oh, shit! Because I honestly, I feel like these moments are like oddly successful in this movie. They are. They play up to these really big dramatic moments and they actually work really well. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I I agree. I did enjoy this. I think the only thing is that it's like there's a uh, like focus. So it's like, oh, that's going to come back later. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you are a little afraid. Yeah. I was yeah. Like, oh, don't do that. <laughs> later in the kitchen, John and Kate put away dishes and Kate tells her husband that she thinks she and Esther are forming a connection because Esther finally opened up to her today. Abruptly. Passing touches turn into John pressing himself against Kate and pulling her sweater off. She laughs, saying that they can't do this here. But John counters that the kids are all sleeping. I was kind of annoyed because she's trying to have a human moment. And she was like, you know, she really opened up. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get yada, the yada, shirt yada. Yeah. <laughs> Like, good Lord. <laughs> have the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but they start to make out and John puts Kate on the counter, but she stops him again. After John insisting and Kate looking around to make sure that all the kids are still in their rooms, they commence the showing of the flesh in the kitchen. That's risky, Chuck. <laughs> I to take that to the room. Y'all couldn't even yeah. do it in the room without getting interrupted. Yeah, like, no, why yeah. do you think that out in the fight? That, yeah, that's bold. In the screenplay, this scene takes place in their bed, in their bedroom. Okay. That makes so it makes sense. a lot more sense. Yeah. Because the more clothes they're taking off, I'm like, that's just going to be harder to explain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, John is like completely naked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what the fuck are you doing it's like come on dude and you don't my thing is you don't know esther's routines what if she has at two o'clock i make m my move yeah <laughs> then i go back to bed yeah. like her bowel movement well yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't know she's like that's the only time i can lock the fucking door with yeah, yeah. people fucking yelling at me for it I gotta sing a song so i can fucking get some privacy yeah. in this house but you don't know <laughs> But everything is going according to plan until they are fully lost in the moment and John turns to see Esther standing behind a glass partition and watching them. Of course. They're both frustrated, I guess. But like that was on you. Yeah. That was completely on you. But yeah. Esther looks at him like, disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> As she should. Yeah, but dude, not only is it risky, it's like so improper. Like, Jesus yeah, I Christ. Mean, I, a I little get decorum. It, yeah. A little decorum, please. There's, there's kids in the house. Yes. Go to the Take room. To the room. Yeah. Jesus Lock Christ. The, door. the next morning, Kate finds Esther casually painting in her room. I thought when she walked in the room that this was right after. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it was a little bit funny to me that they got caught fucking naked as fuck no way to be like oh i was just tying daddy's shoe or whatever yeah, no. <laughs> like no y'all were fucking yeah. like y'all were no, straight yeah. up having sex and then they're like well let's just go to bed we'll deal with yeah. the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> no damage control nope. the same night well we got to get a speech together yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need to get our stories straight <laughs> But <laughs> Kate says that they need to talk about what happened last night, despite Esther assuring her that they don't need to. I did want to mention it is pretty clear that Esther is painting Kate. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that it was really interesting that this is never discussed. Nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> 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 But Kate continues anyway, telling her that there are certain things that adults do that children aren't meant to see. And that's what was happening last night. Esther ignores her until Kate explicitly asks her to listen. 
She turns around to face her and Kate stumbles through the when two grownups love each other very much speech until Esther interrupts her saying she knows they fuck. Wow. I was like, (gasps) y'all were out in the open. Yeah. Yeah, Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't think that's the speech you should be saying. The speech is more. We need to learn how to. Yeah. Yeah. Control our. Yeah. yeah. So now it's her fault. No. no. <laughs> it's like 2 a.m. Not a good time uh, to yeah, show. No. <laughs> Push it to three. Push yeah. it to three. Hold it. <laughs> <laughs> but later, John dismisses this, saying that Esther could have picked that up anywhere. Kate disagrees because Esther knew exactly what it meant and she said it so casually like she didn't even think she was going to get in trouble for it. I do want to talk about this. There, this is another abrupt cut in this film. Yes. Yeah. Because did Esther say that and Kate just got up and left? Yeah. <laughs> we don't know how that ended. She, yeah, she ran at to all, John's yeah. office. <laughs> but, but John seems unconcerned still and says that they'll talk to her about it tonight. Kate thinks that Esther might benefit from seeing Dr. Browning, but John doesn't think that this is necessary. Kate argues that they really don't know what Esther has been through. Again, hello. Yeah. And that if she's comfortable saying that to Kate, what is she saying when they're not around? The idea of Esther influencing Max upsets Kate, but John still insists that they don't need to make such a big deal about one little bad word. I feel like it's a little bit more yeah. than that. It wasn't like, you know, she said it's it's very it's very specific and graphic. Yes. Exactly. What was said. And I think that that's something worth discussing. It's oh, not yeah. like she dropped something and went, fuck. Yeah. Like, OK, yeah. that's one little bad word. Don't say that again. You know better than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But saying, yeah, they fuck. Yeah. Oh, that's, no, you guys were pounded. <laughs> like, oh, hey, whoa. <laughs> Esther, please. Yeah. yeah, that's huge. <laughs> that's too much. It's too much. But Kate's like, maybe you should spend some fucking time with her then. And John's like, all right, bitch. And yeah. That was funny. It was pretty cute. In the in the screenplay, he didn't get that line. And I was like, I'm glad he got that. Yeah, yeah. it was funny. Yeah. But in the next scene, John takes the kids to the playground. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. I think I like that because you really don't see them getting along. At all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At all. So it was nice for them to have something. Yeah. Yes. Esther sits on a swing in the playground and notices Brenda arrive on her bike. This beef is on site. It is. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Their neighbor, Joyce, played by Lori Ayers, walks up to John and flirtatiously greets him, saying that she's missed seeing him around. Esther looks her up and down, seeming to note the fair amount of cleavage that Joyce is showing, despite the cold weather. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, do you want a lemon square? <laughs> <laughs> Go home. <laughs> But John asks about the homeowners association and Joyce tells him that it's just not the same without him. At this, John chuckles, removes his hat, running his hand through his hair. Are you trying to look cute or what? Put your fucking hat back on. But they both awkwardly laugh and John does sneak a glance at the titties. He did. He did. He did. He did. did. While Esther eyes Brenda as she plays. Joyce says that she has a chair that needs moving at her house, bitch. <laughs> you could think that's yeah, <laughs> She's like, the funny thing about the chair is it's located. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is a little past flirting. Yeah, it's she too was much. throwing it at him. See, this to me implied a history. It that's what it felt yeah. like. But I feel like that's not okay, we'll get there. Okay. But she asks if John can come by and help her with the chair sometime. John, to his credit, says yes. He and Kate could definitely help her out. I was like, all right, Good, you, yeah. I'm back. You yeah. lost me with the, with the let me fix my hair and yeah. look at some titties, but you're getting me back. Is this like the chair from Burn After Reading? Yes. 
<laughs> She's like, I need some help. Yeah. <laughs> but Joyce promises to call him before leaving with her kids. Brenda, who is suspiciously eyeing Esther, looks back at the swings and Esther is gone. John has walked away from the swing to light a cigarette and Brenda wanders through the playground, seemingly unnerved by all the things that seemed innocuous just moments ago. She's also alone. Yeah. Yeah. Like her parents aren't there. Her group of mean girls aren't there. No, it's just her. So it was kind of strange. But there's kids playing on jungle gyms and sliding down the slide. She climbs up one of the structures and walks slowly, aware of her surroundings and peeking behind every corner. She looks around one and two kids playing jump out, startling her, but they just run away. Brenda goes around the corner and walks forward, approaching a slide. She stands above it, but before she can sit down, Esther comes running and screaming from behind her. I feel like she maybe should have done it quieter. Yeah. <laughs> I also feel like she's risking a lot to go down this slide. Yeah. <laughs> How she good really is this fucking yeah. slide? <laughs> she's like, look, I, got, I just got to get up there. <laughs> she was scared every step of the way. <laughs> so it'll be worth it when you're sliding down. It'll be worth all the fear. <laughs> it's the only way she can get to the other side. Yeah, man. that's <laughs> <laughs> But Esther shoves Brenda off of the structure, her leg hitting the side of the slide as she goes down hard into the snow. Brenda sobs next to Max, who looks up to see Esther still presiding over the slide. Yeah. So like, <laughs> she didn't even, she didn't give no. a fuck. No. That's one thing I will say again, just like we did with Daniel earlier, smacking the book out of her hand. Yeah. yeah. Does Esther think this is just going to end here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's never going to have to hear about this later? Never. It's just so weird. Stays at the park. Yes. yes. What happens at the fucking park? Yeah. <laughs> but that night, the whole family sits down to dinner. They sit in silence, Max visibly upset, until John tells Esther that Brenda's father is saying that she pushed Brenda. (laughs) So no, this did not just go away. Esther says that that's not true. She swears that they were just playing. Kate asks Max if she saw what happened, and with a pained expression, Max signs that Brenda slipped. There's clearly something wrong with her. Yeah, She's very upset. But nobody... No, they're just like, well, Max, thank you for your honesty. (laughs) Well, they're like, well, her leg snapping would have affected anyone. (laughs) It was very upsetting. Yes. But the silence continues, and Esther suddenly bows her head to pray silently. Daniel notices this and stops cutting into his food, and Max bows her head just like Esther. She begins to sign at Daniel when Esther raises her head back up, and Daniel asks his mother what Max is saying. Esther answers before Kate can. Max is asking for the bread and butter. Daniel obeys, but tells Esther that he wasn't talking to her. Is it odd that he doesn't know? Yeah. Yeah. That's your sister, man. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Okay. They didn't know. It just is. Yeah. He's like, look, don't don't make me look like a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. John chastises him and the family starts to eat. But Daniel fixates on the way that Esther is cutting her steak. He asks if she can just eat normally. She says that she is, and he says maybe that's normal in Transylvania, but not here. She is cutting it very maturely. Right. And he's kind of struggling with holding both. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. We'll just say that for now. I have, I, I was reading a lot of stuff in preparation for the episode, and it was pointed out that his issue is that she was cutting her food into very small pieces. 
What? Which is something that kind of makes sense later. Oh. So this is supposed to be like a breadcrumb, but I didn't yeah. notice that they were yeah, particularly small. They just look like slices of steak. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, who knows? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Certainly not me. Hmm. But Esther schools him. She's from Russia. Transylvania is in Romania. And because she knows her geography, Daniel calls her a freak. Both of his parents <laughs> are Sopranos. Hey, yeah. no. <laughs> they tell him to stop, but Daniel doubles down. He asks why Esther has to act that way. All of his friends make fun of him because of her. Mm, I, <laughs> yeah. They make fun of you because your porn crush looks like your mom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they did say yeah. that. <laughs> That's the only time we've seen. Your porn crush. <laughs> is that a phrase? I- <laughs> it is now. <laughs> But John suggests that Daniel get some different friends then. And Daniel says something incredibly ugly, even dropping the R word. John demands that Daniel apologize to his sister. But Daniel snaps back at him. She's not my fucking sister. John's like, it's just a word. He could have yeah. picked, yeah, picked it up anywhere. In all fairness, he might have got it from Esther. <laughs> <laughs> but he runs from the table and accepting that this is his responsibility. John goes after him. Outside, John puts a lock on the door of Daniel's treehouse. Daniel sits angrily on a piece of wood in the snow. John strolls past him, saying that he can have the key back when he apologizes. In the next scene, Kate is grocery shopping with Esther and Max. She asks Esther if she has any favorites, and Esther just shakes her head. Kate's phone rings, and it's Sister Abigail on the other end. She asks how Esther is doing, and Kate says that she's doing great. She tries to give Esther the phone to say hello, but Esther shakes her head. When Kate insists, Esther's like, I said no! I was like, oh my, that's so fucking embarrassing. And I'm sorry, but why would she do that? Esther? Even with what we know. Yeah, oh no. Like, that's a lot. It is. Yeah. It's like, be cool, Uh, dude. I'm going to choke slam you on these apples. But the smile drops from Sister Abigail's face. Kate takes the phone back and gives the girls a job to walk away and get five apples for her. Sister Abigail tells Kate that she needs Esther's shot and dental records for her reports. Esther instructs Max to read Kate's lips and tell her everything that's being said. Kate tells Sister Abigail that Esther isn't thrilled about the dentist, and Max tells Esther, she's talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, where do your loyalties lie? Yeah. It's her sister, man. Yeah, but that don't they bonded immediately. Yeah. They did, but you're putting your mom in a tough spot. Yeah. yeah. Sister Abigail asks if Esther has opened up, and Kate tells her that Esther dropped the F bomb on her a few weeks ago. Max asks Esther what an F bomb is. She's probably like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I knew I should have said that. (laughs) (laughs) Sister Abigail says that she must be coming out of her shell and asks if there are any other glitches that she should know about. Kate tells her about Brenda, who broke her ankle and had to get six stitches. She says that Esther may have pushed her. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) You know. Yeah. When she says that Brenda is lucky that she didn't break her neck, she notices Esther peering at her from behind the apples. At home, as Kate finishes putting the groceries away, she hears someone playing on her piano. She comes around the corner to find Esther fucking killing it like a pro playing Tchaikovsky. Yeah. This bitch is like tearing it up. She's like pouring sweat. (laughs) (laughs) Once she finishes, Kate says that she told her she didn't know how to play. Esther's like, I never said that. You offered to teach me. And I said, yes. In all fairness. It's a technicality, Mm -mm. but it is true. Mm -mm. (laughs) 
No. <laughs> He's like, I'm not allowing <laughs> this. <laughs> Kate asks if she was pretending this whole time. And Esther says that she thought that Kate would like to teach her. She says that Kate loves music and it must be frustrating to have a son that doesn't care about it and a daughter that can't hear it. What a bitch. See, like, this is the point where it's starting to turn. It's, oh, no, yeah. That's such a fucking malicious thing to say. Yes. Like, that is so, it's just so ugly. But with this, she tries to walk away as Kate stares dumbfounded. Kate tries to stop her, but Esther just pulls away from her and leaves. Like, there's no repercussions for, yeah. for what she yeah. said. Oh. The scene just kind of ends here. Yeah. yeah just, <laughs> again. That yeah, that was it. <laughs> But that night, Kate tells John what happened with the piano. She says that Esther lied to her. And John's like, oh, that's hardly a lie. That's a fucking lie. It's a lie by what? Omission? I mean, technically, yes. Because she never said, I've never played a piano in my life. Yeah, Yeah. but she pretended not to know what was going on. And And those 11 mistakes were bullshit. Exactly. (laughs) And the fact that you know that she's home and you still chose to be like, check this shit out. Yeah. This is malicious. This is... There's something horribly wrong with Esther. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sorry. I, I... I, I I know we talked about it earlier, and I I love this dude, but it like was he? He seemed a little sleepy, or like he <laughs> under like he just didn't like he was just kind of there, or like there are some scenes where I I'm very confused by his choices. Yeah, yeah. it's like he's almost like just like oh yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's a you, lot of like, uh, under underreacting. Okay, to there, yeah. Thank you, thank you. And I honestly feel like this is the start of his character becoming insufferable insufferable yes because it this do you think this is egregious no yeah, no. <laughs> no but i think this is where i noticed it because yeah, i have yeah. it in my notes and i'm like what the fuck is yeah no buckle yeah. up but again john says it's hardly a lie she was only trying to spend time with her kate says that esther is always on her best behavior around john so he wouldn't even know she's completely different with kate she lists them off. She threw the fit at school. She pushed Brenda. Kate's like, you really think she did that? And Kate's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she says that she wasn't there. John was supposed to be watching them. But John says it was just an accident. In the script, there's another incident that happened. It's them having already attempted to take her to the dentist. Yeah. And she bites the dentist. Oh, my God. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> and the next scene, they're having this discussion. And she's like, we're lucky he's not going to sue us. <laughs> and she uses that as another example of weird yeah. shit going on. So what's funny to me is the fact that she bit the dentist. And the dentist is like, get the fuck out. <laughs> we're not even doing it. Yeah, we're not we're doing, not doing, doing the checkup. No. <laughs> But Kate says, fine, we'll just believe everything that Esther says now. She asks if she should believe what Esther told her about Joyce then. And I did see there's a deleted scene where they're checking out at the grocery store mm-hmm. and Joyce is in line in front of them. And she's like, oh, hello, Kate. Like, it's very awkward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she leaves and Esther's like, I don't know why daddy likes her so much. Oh, my God. Like, just fucking planting uh. the seed. And she even asked daddy to come over. But please don't tell him I told you I don't want him to be mad at me. And Kate just kind of like takes it all yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. That's just manipulative. It's yeah. so manipulative. Good Lord. I don't know why daddy likes her so much. <laughs> oh my God. Because he does. <laughs> oh, he loves that shit. <laughs> He's looking at her titties. <laughs> he says something about a sex chair. It was weird. <laughs> 
he said something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta put some hot sauce on it. Good lord. But Kate says that according to Esther, John was hitting on Joyce. John laughs this off, saying that Esther misunderstood. But Kate asks if Joyce invited him over. And John is honest, saying that she did ask him to come help her move a chair, but he blew her off. Kate says that if he would have just told her this happened, they would have laughed about it. But instead, he hid it. John says that he knew how she would react to it and that she can't get jealous of every woman that he talks to. The tea comes out when he mm. reminds her that it's been 10 years. She says that that doesn't mean anything and it may have been 10 years since it happened, but it's only been two years since he told her. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. yeah. <laughs> so, and I do want to say this is kind of expository as far as their relationships. Yeah. Yeah. But I do appreciate because in a real argument like this, this is when the shit would come out. Yeah. Right. If so, it's not, if it's not resolved and dealt with. Yes, yeah. yeah. It feels very genuine. But John says that he thinks he's earned trust here and reminds her that he gave her a second chance. She says that this isn't fair and John asserts that it's okay to talk about his mistakes, but not hers. Kate just starts yelling, saying that she was sick. He just wanted to fuck somebody else. So I was like, is he alluding to her cheating? But I don't think so. See, that's what I thought at first, but I think he's alluding to a, Max's situation. A pawn situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, okay. okay. Which okay. is 10 times more fucked up. Yeah, I, it's really not the same thing you at can't all. Equate yeah. at all. Yeah, I, I think don't know. It's, I, and you're right. This would be the time to get it out. But they've been together a long time. <laughs> Why would you guys say hurtful shit about each other? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't care how mad I get at your sister. I'm not going to say not. that's we've been if you once you've been with somebody for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. I don't give a shit what if you really love that person. You're not going to say know, those. You know, the line. Yeah, yeah. There, you know, OK, I need to shut the fuck up. I need mm -hmm. to go outside or whatever. Uh, what? Why didn't <laughs> yeah see i think that's what i'm kind of hinting at when we were talking about it earlier is that they do not operate as a regular couple no no because they, they just don't have i don't know there's something here where i would imagine if some crazy shit was going down you would implicitly believe nay well yeah well, that's that oh my <laughs> that's God. where i don't because <laughs> it's all signs point to something well yeah but you're it, like eh, it's probably it's the no i'm gonna go with the person i've known for about two months <laughs> sorry dude yeah. but like it's a lot yeah but john raises his voice too reminding her that he could have walked away from her months ago and nobody would have blamed him see this is like that's too far yeah. beyond fucked up i mean don't do this yeah no if you've made if you've hit a crossroads in your relationship and you make the decision to move forward together you can't put that in no, your pocket yeah. as a fucking well yeah i could have left you okay That's but you saying. didn't yeah. so like don't do that that is so fucked up yeah. and the way he phrases it and nobody would have said yeah. anything yeah. <laughs> like, dude, so you're a saint yeah is what i'm hearing but their fight is loud now and esther can hear it in her room where she paints as she listens she begins to smile oh she's living for it yeah, yeah. kate asks where john got that notion from his mother and then the scene just abruptly ends. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what happened. Yeah. Like, they keep doing that. But the next morning, Max sits in her chair drawing, and Daniel, again, is playing Guitar Hero. <laughs> we get Max's point of view as she draws herself and Esther next to a tree, the loud game a low pulsing to her. John comes in and asks Daniel to turn it down because he's trying to work. But isn't he like, can you turn that shit off or something, something like that? Like that yeah. I was like, damn, dude, it's the weekend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give him a break. He's just mad about last night. Yeah. yeah. But Daniel angrily puts the game down. 
Esther comes down the stairs just as the doorbell rings and goes past Kate on the couch to answer it. She's like, I got it. I got it. <laughs> it's probably Brenda's dad. <laughs> I got to handle some. Probably, <laughs> probably get ahead of this. <laughs> but her smile fades when it's sister Abigail standing there. So I don't know who she expected it to be. No, here's the thing that does bother me about this is the design of this house. It's like 60% glass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the door has a giant window in yeah. it. Yeah. But she isn't surprised until she opens like, the door. Yeah. Oh my god! It's like, come on, man. You saw her there. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> Sister Abigail greets Esther, but Esther just asks her what she's doing here. In the living room, Sister Abigail sits down with Kate and John and says that she may have made a mistake. There might be something wrong with Esther. John immediately laughs this off, reminding her that she said she never had any trouble with Esther. Okay. Last night, Kate was telling him that she thinks that there's something horribly wrong. Yeah. Now, this woman from the place where she was living says there might be something mm-hmm. wrong. Even if you don't believe your wife, when you be like, fuck, maybe he's like, ah, bitch. She's like, no, nah, it's <laughs> yeah, fine. You that- said it was fine. I And I'm also a little mad at Sister Abigail because it's like she had all the opportunity. You're telling me she did no research really no. Yeah. at all. And then the second one thing sounds a little weird. She finally decides to do more. Well, I think the three weeks have finally passed that they were supposed to wait to <laughs> yeah. take her. <laughs> yeah, right. Since it was the same scene. <laughs> it, looked, it looked like it. Fuck. It looked like the same day. Yeah. It did. And I realized Sister Abigail is her name because Sister Abigail is also Bray Wyatt's finisher. But All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just, you know. <laughs> Food for thought. Yeah. But yeah, I... Look, I'll defend my daughters to no end. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But the, the, he's a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's a lot. There's a line when you yeah. just can't anymore. I f- and then I think that's the thing is that you have her. Maybe you're like, all right, well, maybe Kate's too close to it. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yes. The nun drove down from the yeah. school. Yeah. <laughs> it was that important. <laughs> she yes. needed to be here. Face Unannounced. Yeah. Unannounced. Not even the phone call. No. But Sister Abigail says that she hadn't had trouble with Esther, but trouble has a way of following her. If two girls get into a fight, Esther's there. If someone gets caught stealing, Esther's there. She says that after Kate told her about the fight, she called Esther's old school. There was a boy there who fell with scissors in his hand and stabbed himself through the jaw. Guess what, y'all? Esther was there. (laughs) John is like, Okay. <laughs> oh my god! I'm like, yeah. I'm getting fucking mad yeah. at him at this point. Uh-huh. This is when it's just too much for me. Yeah. yeah. Sister Abigail continues. The house fire that Esther's previous family died in, it was arson, and they never found out who did it. John says that the notion that Esther had anything to do with any of this is ridiculous, but we pan over to see Esther standing on the other side of the wall Listening to everything that's being said with the shocked expression. Bitch, you know what you did. I feel like maybe the kids can go out and play while we're having this yes. conversation. Yeah. Or maybe we can go outside and have this conversation. Right. Like, y'all are speaking at full volume. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one issue I have with this film is they have a lot of secret conversations in full yeah. <laughs> full volume. In No, not secret. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. Not at all. And I know that you wanted to talk about it too, T. Yeah. The thing that was cut out that we were like, mm-hmm. yeah, it probably should have been cut yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, you want to... So, at least in the screenplay, and I don't think they ever filmed it, but they had this initial plot point where they were actually going to adopt a different child. Uh-huh. They were going to the orphanage to adopt a child called Yolanda. Right. And so that's the only reason that they're there. But... 
that scene plays out where John meets Esther. Okay. And so it's just, you know, he met uh, another child there. Yeah. And that's the end of it. Uh, even I think Sister Abigail kind of hush, uh, rushes them away. So they're like, you know, well, they're adopting Yolanda. Isn't that great? Yeah. yeah and yeah. Esther's like, yeah, yeah, it's fucking great. <laughs> yeah. I love that for them. <laughs> but um, they go home and it's that three weeks thing. Yeah. And they get a call because one of the sisters went down into the rooms mm-hmm. and in the closet, they found Yolanda dead. Hanging. Hanging. What the fuck? And so they call the Coleman's and they tell them what happened. And it's literally, it's so abrupt in the script that I think that might've been another reason why they cut it. Yeah. John's like, why don't we adopt Esther? Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> and Kate's, um, what Kate's like, f- what? I'll be honest, kind of on brand for John. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. It, it, it's just Jeez. an added thing that kind of, it would it would tip the hand too early. Way yeah. too early. Oh, yeah. Way too early. Yeah. And so it's good that they cut that. Yeah, but that's a lot. Because they say that they think it was, they were playing a game and it went badly and oh. then it was like, but Esther was there. Yeah, you know what I mean? No. Yeah. That's too much. She could stay there. Yeah, yeah oh, it's no. entirely it's too much. It's clear what happened. Yeah, uh-uh. And I feel like the way that Kate was interpreting her dreams and stuff, I don't think that she'd be like, oh, well, let's just get another one. Like, no, that, 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 I no. feel like that would not even like that doesn't even make sense. But Max is coloring in her room upstairs when Esther walks in. She tells Max that there's a mean lady downstairs who wants to take her away. And she asks Max for help. Back downstairs, Kate says that they've had behavioral problems. But John interrupts. Nothing like that. It's like, John. Yeah. yeah. Sister Abigail said that she tried to reach the Russian orphanage that was raising Esther because they need to know what they're dealing with. John says that he knows exactly what they're dealing with. Kate tries to interject, but he tells her to stop and listen. I didn't like that. No, I didn't like the way he said that. He tells Sister Abigail that they're dealing with an orphaned nine-year-old girl. Before he can continue, Kate says, that's it. We're taking her to Dr. Browning. John's like, okay, we'll take her to Dr. Browning. It's like yeah, you but- were fighting tooth and nail. Because you know that there's something weird here. Yeah. You're conceding. Mm-hmm. But in John's office, Esther instructs Max to find the key to Daniel's treehouse. Max follows instruction, and Esther picks up a hammer and puts it in her backpack. Max finds the keys and hands them over to Esther. She finds a big one that looks like it will fit the safe that sits on the other side of the room. She tries it and it opens immediately, revealing a gun inside. Esther picks it up knowledgeably, emptying the bullets before putting in just one and spinning the chamber. She loads it and points it at Max's head. She asks Max if she wants to play and Max slowly shakes her head. Esther is distracted when she sees Sister Abigail leaving and she tells Max, maybe later. <laughs> I feel like we don't need this you feel lucky pun. Yeah. <laughs> what like, the oh fuck? my yeah. God. We're Who talking- was that for? <laughs> I don't know. We're talking about tipping your hand. Yeah. <laughs> That's what? a lot. That's a bit much. It's a whole lot. Yeah. But outside, Sister Abigail gets into her car and Esther and Max run through the snow until they reach the road. Esther assures Max that it will be okay. They're just going to scare her so bad that she'll never want to come back. Sister Abigail's car travels down the road and Esther sees her in the distance. She tells Max to wave her arms and get Sister Abigail to stop. As Sister Abigail approaches the bridge where they wait, she takes her eyes off of the road because she's trying to light her cigarette. I was Mm -hmm. like, ma'am, 
Well, in her defense, like it was a dead end. Like there was, or not a dead end. The road was dead. Yeah, there was nobody there. <laughs> but she's going to a bridge. I'm scared over bridges. About trolls? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Precisely. Is this smoking a sin anyway? I, I don't know. Everything is. Yeah. I think. <laughs> but in that moment, Esther pushes Max into the road. Sister Abigail barely sees her swerving out of the way and sliding to a stop in the snow. Max sobs in the middle of the road and Sister Abigail gets out of her car and runs to her. She recognizes Max and asks if she's okay. When she bends down to tend to her, Max sees Esther standing behind her. Sister Abigail turns just in time for Esther to bring the hammer down on her face. I was a little annoyed that Sister Abigail wasn't at all surprised to see Max in the road. She's like, Max? Yeah, <laughs> it's like she saw her at the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. Max, where are, are you all right? You good? It's like, no, what are yeah, you doing no here? Shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's very alarming. But Max cries as Sister Abigail falls bleeding into the road. Esther tosses the hammer onto the snow and pulls Max to her feet and demands that she stop crying. She instructs her to grab Sister Abigail's foot and help pull her off of the road. Now, Max follows orders and they manage to get the nun out of sight just before another car comes down the road. Sister Abigail rolls down a hill. I was like, God damn, <laughs> he's looking through her. Now, hold on. Hmm. That car would have fucking seen Oh, that. absolutely. <laughs> no, it no, was no. clear as day. Yeah. No. They were reaching for a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've hit the cigarette bridge. Yeah. <laughs> You know the rules, honey. Yeah. And he <laughs> leans over. <laughs> no, but it was literally, it was something like 10 feet from where. Yeah, it was right there. It was. You would have seen him. But she rolls down the hill <laughs> and wakes up at the bottom, gasping for air. She tries to drag herself away, but before she can get far, Esther appears over her with the hammer. She brutally beats Sister Abigail to death as Max watches. Splattered with blood, Esther tells Max to help her hide the body. In the treehouse, Esther wipes the blood from her face in a shattered mirror. Wearing gloves, she puts the bloody evidence, her dress and the hammer, into her backpack before dropping the gloves inside too. Max watches, terrified. Esther shoves her backpack into the floorboards of the treehouse before placing the rug back on top. Betrayed, Max tells Esther that she tricked her, but Esther says that that doesn't matter. Max would be sent to jail just for helping her hide the body. She says that she had to kill Sister Abigail because she was going to tell on her. She asks Max, you're not going to tell on me, are you? It's like, well, fuck, not, yeah. not anymore. No. <laughs> not, not that I see not what that you I've... do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Max shakes her head. Esther tells her not to worry because she's her little sister. She loves her and she won't let anything happen to her. Esther hugs Max and gives her a kiss on the head, but the hurt expression on Max's face doesn't change. Before that veiled threat, I had kind of thought that Esther was putting way too much stock in Max's ability to keep a secret. Yeah. And then she's like, you're next. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll get you too. Gotcha. All right. You got a boss. Yeah. <laughs> I won't say shit. Mm -mm. Outside, Daniel is wandering around when he sees Esther leaving his treehouse. He hides behind a rock to spy on her, but she immediately turns and looks at him. He hides his face again. And when he raises his head up, she's still walking away from the treehouse. That night as he sleeps, Esther holds a box cutter to his throat and grabs his hair. He wakes up and she immediately shushes him, demanding to know what he saw. He says that he saw her and Max in the treehouse. She asks what else he saw, but he doesn't know what she's talking about. She asks if he told anyone and he says no. 
She brings the box cutter down and tells him that if she finds out he's lying, she'll cut his hairless little prick off before he even figures out what it's for. It's like, ma'am. <laughs> just this is a lot yeah, to process. Yeah, this was a little too much. I, I was like, come on, was this necessary to I would say not. I think like she has just made a sharp turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because just a couple days ago, the worst thing that she did was not want to talk to Sister Abigail. Yeah. yeah. And now she fucking threw a girl off a thing. Yeah. Fucking said the fuck word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she did. You know, so I mean, this is. And just... she also murdered someone. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, what but was the bad knew, thing? But, that she, but she also said the fuck word. And then she's threatening children as well. Yeah. Yeah. But she asks if he understands and he tells her yes. He wets himself from fear and Esther tells him that he pissed himself before finally letting go of him and leaving. I did see a deleted scene where Daniel does tell or he tries to tell John. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's before this happens. Mm -hmm. But he goes in the office and he's like, I saw Esther and Max in the treehouse. And John's like, no, you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> dude he's like, like the treehouse uh, is locked and daniel's like well they must have had they must have gotten the key yeah and he's like the key's right here the funny thing about keys yeah. <laughs> you can pick them up you can take and them you can put and, them yeah. right back <laughs> that would have just make me made me not like him even yeah more. he's Good like Lord. shut up <laughs> science bitch <laughs> but we cut to kate and john sitting in the waiting room at dr browning's office The door finally opens and Esther and Dr. Browning come out. Esther addresses Dr. Browning by her first name, Alice. She says that it was nice to meet her and she hopes that they can be friends. The doctor agrees that she would like that and Esther takes a seat in the waiting room while the parents go back into the office. They all sit down and Dr. Browning says that her first assessment leads her to believe that there is not a deeply rooted problem in Esther's past. Kate is surprised to hear this, asking, so there's nothing wrong with her? Dr. Browning says that there is nothing wrong with her, but the relationships that Esther has with the people around her need to be examined, particularly with Kate. Now, I'm sure we all heard that the family she just came from burned right yes. and then she was the only one she's what like no she's fine to- yeah <laughs> what the fuck that's not traumatic at all oh no not traumatic she at all she got over that real quick yeah, yeah. <laughs> But she says that there seems to be some tension between Esther and Kate. Esther is doing her best to please Kate, but Kate is blocking any attempt for the two of them to bond. Kate says that that's not true at all. She's tried bonding with Esther. She asked John to back her up and John is like, let's let her finish. In what Mm. world? Oh my God, I was so mad. Has she not done enough to bond? I was so mad. I I wanted to slam my head on the wall. I was like, (laughs) is this shit for real? Like, are you serious? It's getting to a point where it's like, oh, you're just written this way. Yeah. Because this is not at all realistic. Kate scoots away from John. Oh, yes. Dr. Browning says that something is happening to make Esther feel this way. She proposes that it could be Kate's guilt about drinking or about what happened to Max. She says that Kate's feelings of inadequacy as a mother could be manifesting in her relationship with Esther, but Kate says that she doesn't feel inadequate. The room is completely silent, and annoyed, Kate asks what Esther told Dr. Browning. We cut to Esther in the bathroom. She sits on the floor of a stall, muttering that she didn't see, she doesn't know. She says she's so stupid and hits her head against the wall. She's fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> completely, yeah, it's completely fine. Clearly. 
Back in the office, Dr. Browning says that Esther is shy, reserved, and sensitive, and she's going through a very difficult time. In the stall, Esther throws an entire fit, slamming herself around and kicking and hitting the walls. Between shots of this fit, Dr. Browning continues to say that Esther is exceptionally bright and very articulate. She just needs patience and understanding. We get one more shot of Esther screaming at the top of her lungs <laughs> in the bathroom stall. This is what I'm talking about. Why? Why? And nobody's going to yeah, be I like, know. what's going on there? Is that diarrhea? Yeah, <laughs> like, you got to relax, honey. <laughs> yeah, just let it, yeah. you know. <laughs> we'll get you some. Right, uh, we'll turn Pepto the water on. Or, yeah, let the yeah. faucet go. <laughs> I, I think my thing is, again, I think it just cuts abruptly after that, too. Yeah, it, it does. does. So there's no kind of consequence or anybody at all. The office is not that big. No. They should be in the office being like, and another thing, what the fuck yeah. is that? <laughs> what is that? And she it's broke- in the vent? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she broke the toilet paper holder. She yeah. dented the walls. It's like, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it made me think of Breaking Bad when Walt fucking punches yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> it's like somebody sees that yeah i mean who's paying for that yeah she's gonna come to the bathroom later and be like what <laughs> i only I had wrong. one patient today <laughs> that's weird but as soon as they pull up to the house esther gets out and runs inside Alone now, Kate sarcastically thanks John for his support, but John reminds her that going to Dr. Browning was her idea. It was like, that that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. No. They get out of the car and Kate's phone starts to ring, but before she can answer it, John tells her that even though he's not a psychologist, a lot of what Dr. Browning said makes sense. <laughs> well, if you don't get your fucking ass in yeah. the house, I'm done. The, the way this interaction ends... I wanted to throw my TV up <laughs> <laughs> because you have it right. What he says next. I don't, I don't think so. He goes, okay. So he's like, you know what? A lot of what she said makes sense. And then Kate's phone starts ringing and he goes, you want to get that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he leaves. Yeah. I was like, dude, fucking punch him in the back of the head. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. No, throw the phone at his Do head. it. Oh, yeah. No, 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 you get in. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hit him in the back with a Blackberry. <laughs> But Kate answers the phone, and on the other end, Sister Judith, played by Janelle Williams, asks if Sister Abigail ever made it to their appointment. When Kate says that she did, Sister Judith says that Sister Abigail never came back yesterday, and she's starting to get worried. A tense score begins to play, and we get an aerial shot of Kate going inside. We cut to the bridge at night, lit up with the flashing lights of police cars. A detective, played by Brendan Wall, inspects a tarp laid over something in the snow. He pulls it off to reveal Sister Abigail's body, beaten, abandoned, and dead. It, they really didn't do a good job of hiding. No. <laughs> yeah, at all. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> They went the extra mile with the evidence, but yes. not not with the body. No, I did though. Um, that reminds me, I saw a deleted scene as well where she takes all the evidence, the hammer and everything, and there's a homeless man walking around with the cart. She puts it in his cart to huh. frame wow. him. Yeah, which I'm like, you're fucking an even bigger bitch. Yeah. <laughs> That's diabolical. Yeah. Back at their house, the detective is finishing up talking to the Coleman's. Before they can leave, Kate asks if there are any leads or suspects, but he says no. Like, well, we found two tiny pairs of footprints. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know what that could mean. Yeah, hmm. 
John says that he can't understand how someone could do this. And the detective just asks that they call him if they think of anything else. They leave and sensing someone watching, Kate looks up at the staircase. We travel down the hallway to Esther's room where a blue light turns on and off. Inside, she is flipping a switch, turning the light from the fish tank on and off over and over again. We see the building that she was painting, completely normal and innocuous in the dark, but engulfed in flames with victims inside when it's lit by the blue light. Some of the people inside are burning and some are murdered and mutilated. In her room, Kate looks up antisocial personality disorder on the computer. I'm sorry, but they never said goodnight to her with the fish tank on? I never have Okay. Nope. Fair enough. <laughs> but Kate scans through articles before making more searches about disturbed children and children who kill. She finds an essay on the characteristics of disturbed children, prints it, and brings it to John. I don't know why she even fucking bothers at this point. Yeah. It feels like a last ditch effort because who else does she have to? Right, right. Yeah. You know, the therapist is already. She even turned yeah. on her. Yeah. So, I mean. She tells him that this is what Sister Abigail was talking about. She shows him the symptoms in the paper, superficially charming, difficult maintaining relationships. John dismisses this, saying, that's not what Sister Abigail meant. <laughs> dude, you... I've, I, You've about had it? Yeah, I was, no, I was like, I was like, dude, you are so bad. I'm like, I fucking, like, I was getting... I was getting frustrated. I was like, dude, you can't be this stupid. We talk about this trope a lot. Yeah. But I feel like this might be one of the worst. Yes. The worst examples. Yes. Yeah. But Kate says that Esther really could have just told Dr. Browning exactly what she wanted to hear. She cites the paper who calls these kinds of children adroit manipulators, playing people against each other to get what they want. And she's... That sounds pretty yeah. familiar. Mm-hmm. John asks if she's going to show this to Dr. Browning, but not only is Kate not showing it to her, she's not going to her anymore. John says that she's really just going to discount everything that Dr. Browning said, but Kate asks him, why does everyone get the benefit of the doubt from him except for her? The fridge opens suddenly, interrupting them, and it's Esther getting milk. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll be back this shit later. <laughs> you guys better be cleared yeah. out. <laughs> They lower their voices and John assures Kate that if she needs help with the kids, they can arrange that. I, mm. I also want to point out that Esther is watching Kate as she goes up the stairs. Yeah. Why isn't John seeing any of that? He's like, well, that's kind of threatening. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, he now just that, ignores no. it. Now that you mention it, that was really weird. Yeah. That, I, I felt the chill. <laughs> it's like, come on, dude. Yeah. Kate says that she doesn't need help and watches until Esther is out of sight. She says she wants to learn more about Esther, where she comes from, who she is. She says that Sister Abigail was right. If they, including their children, are in danger, shouldn't they know about it? John finally agrees, and Kate says that she'll contact the Russian orphanage. They hear someone in the kitchen and freeze, but it's just Daniel. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> it's like, I'm still a prick. Yeah. <laughs> Later, as she cooks in the kitchen with Max, Kate talks with someone at the orphanage, trying to get information on the Russian orphanage. She is surprised when she's told that the orphanage in Russia has no record of Esther being there. 
Distressed, she gets off the phone, asking them to call her if they find out anything. As the family quietly eats dinner later, Kate says nothing. Then it's just like a shot of them eating dinner yeah. and then it's the next scene. Yeah, it was. Well, I think maybe it was meant to show that how much John has been hesitant to believe anything. Yeah. yeah. This is the moment when she would have said something. Yeah. Okay. But he's too much of an asshole. There's no point. Exactly. The next morning, John goes into Esther's room to tell her that they need to go, but she's just a lump under her blankets. He approaches her, calling her name, and she eventually pops up trying to scare him. She tells him that she doesn't want to go to the dentist, and when he asks if she's scared, she says that she's not. This is enough for John to cave and agree to reschedule the appointment. I was mad. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, yeah. No kid wants to go to the fucking dentist. No. No. No adult we wants to go to the dentist. Literally. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you have to. He's like, all right, but I'm rescheduling yeah. it. Do you also want McDonald's for breakfast? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how this would have played out if she had bitten that dentist. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, we're going somewhere else. Yeah, we've, we got a new appointment. <laughs> But he says he'll let her play hooky if she'll come draw with him. And she agrees. At the school, Kate stops Daniel before he can get out of the car. Addressing both him and Max, she asks how they're getting along with Esther. After a moment of hesitation, Daniel says, fine. Both of them clearly aren't telling the truth. Yeah, they both look scared as shit. What? You're, I'm not, I don't believe what you're saying. That, I don't believe that things are fine. I think that's my question because Kate is still like their mother. She yeah. should be yeah. able to perceive. No, nobody's yeah. going to hurt you. I will protect you. I need to know the truth. Yeah. They're like, well, <laughs> <laughs> they're shivering. She's like, okay, great. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> and that's just the end of it. Yeah. yeah. Daniel's thinking about a box cutter. and yeah. <laughs> Max is thinking about being bludgeoned with a hammer. Yeah. Literally. I mean, it's Traumatizing kind of, shit. Yeah. She asks if she's ever made them feel uncomfortable or done something that she wasn't supposed to. Again, Daniel says no. She asks if Esther has ever hurt them. Daniel says no. Kate looks back at Max and Max looks scared, but she agrees with Daniel. Back at home, Esther draws John as he works in his office. She tells him that she likes it when it's just the two of them and that he doesn't know how long she's waited to have a daddy like him. John's like, mommy too, right? don't know about all that (laughs) wouldn't that yes it should but he's interpreting it as oh she's made her feel so unwelcome you know what i mean but that she she didn't though not at all he's just perceiving it that way esther says that she doesn't think kate likes her very much and john immediately tells her that's not true kate loves her which i did appreciate him at least doing that because he's yeah. like i don't think she likes you very much yeah. <laughs> you know you may be onto something yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she talks shit about you all, all the, the time, time. Dude. <laughs> but esther is rational saying that it must be hard to love an adopted child as much as your own but john says that she is as much a part of this family as daniel or max which is kind of a fucked up thing for esther to say but it's very sad yeah it's i just i don't know she shouldn't get to say that (laughs) she shouldn't get to say well she's doing horrible shit yeah and she's trying to play like victim a sympathetic yeah Yeah. he has an idea for her to do something nice for kate to show how much she loves her and esther agrees later kate gets something out of the fridge (laughs) and the music swells but when she closes the door there's no one there what was the point of that (laughs) (laughs) who is that for who knows (laughs) Esther comes walking up, holding something behind her back. She announces that she has a surprise for Kate with a big smile, and Kate looks happy. That, like, really made me sad. Uh, yeah, because 
it seemed like she was maybe yeah. trying. Yeah. But the surprise that Esther brings from behind her back is a handful of the white memorial roses for baby Jessica. She proudly says that she picked them just for Kate. Kate asks what Esther did and comes toward her. She tries to take the flowers away, but Esther pulls them back and Kate grabs her arm instead. Esther immediately begins screaming about her arm and this is what gets John's attention. The flowers fall to the floor and Esther continues to scream, throwing herself onto the ground and then scrambling away when John comes into the kitchen. Kate sobs on the ground surrounded by the flowers, saying that Esther did this on purpose, but John disagrees. Kate says that Esther knew what the roses meant to her, but John takes responsibility because he said he told her to do something nice for Kate. <laughs> That's not that. No. no. Come on. <laughs> I think this is where you lost me even more because she literally has <laughs> a scene to point to. Yeah. Yes. Where she explained everything. Yep. Clearly. This is truly like the cruelest thing she could have done yes. to this woman. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is so fucking... I mean, just beyond there. And, I don't, I can't think of a word. And for John to be like, nah, it's on me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, dude. It's like, <laughs> yeah. what? And shouldn't you be equally? Yes. Yeah, that's the thing too. He has no emotion about this. No. At all. What? He's like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said anything. Yeah. Really? Like, and it sucks because whenever he gives her that idea, Esther goes, that's a wonderful idea. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's going to do something horrible. Yeah. <laughs> we already know. Mm-hmm. That night, Kate cries as she looks at the plaque. Esther took every single one of those roses. They're all gone. Yeah. Inside, Esther sneaks into John's office. She approaches a vice and puts a towel in her mouth. I think we all see where this is going. Mm -hmm. She sticks her arm in the vice and begins to turn it. It tightens around her arm as she whimpers. Finally, we watch as the bone in her arm breaks and she lets out a muffled scream before pushing the bone back into place. It looks gruesome. Yeah. Yes. Like it's very well done. She gets back into her bed and calls out for John. When he comes into the room, she says that her arm still hurts. He turns on the light to inspect it and sees that her arm is very bruised and clearly broken. He says that she needs to go to the hospital. We cut to them coming back home and Kate walking into her bedroom where John is tucking Esther into their bed, reassuring her that the doctor said she's going to heal fine. He goes over to Kate, one hand on the doorknob, and they stand in silence before he tells her that she broke Esther's arm. Kate says that that's impossible. She didn't grab her that hard. But John says that Esther wants to sleep in the bed with him tonight, so Kate should just go sleep downstairs. I almost punched my teeth. <laughs> I, I, I was so angry at this. Mm -hmm. Like, I was furious. I paused the movie because I was like, I need a break. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I'm so mad at this. Why? How Just could why? He could be this clueless. It's <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. He saw her grabbing her arm. Yeah. Like it was not I, at all. I can't, at all. I can't with this dude. But Kate leaves without another word and John closes the door. We cut to Kate sitting in her car outside of the liquor store. She goes inside and the clerk rings up two bottles of wine. She tells him that she's having guests for dinner. The clerk is like, I don't He's care. Like, I don't yeah. give a fuck. <laughs> she puts cash down on the counter. And when she doesn't want to wait any longer for him to finish the transaction, she tells him to just keep the rest of the cash, grabs her bottles and leaves. Back at home, Kate sits with the two bottles and a full glass of wine crying. She stares at it and holds the glass in her hands before getting up and going to the window. 
She looks over at the frozen pond and immediately scoops up the glass and the open bottle. She dumps both down the drain and rinses the sink. She didn't drink it. No. Yeah, and 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 this was this was a little hard for me because I understand the always like the urge is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was her her saying that was more her herself. That was, you know what I mean? So I'm yeah. like, God damn you. So I understand, but I'm glad she threw that shit away. Yeah. yeah. It's like, man, I, what? there is no other point at when you need a drink. Like, this it was, is that, this what's is going so on? It's, good Lord. And I think what upset me the most is that whenever she did pour it down the drain, I was like, I hope you get rid of every yeah, shred of it, evidence. Yeah, that away, this something. moment ever happened. Yeah, yeah because... You, you know, know yeah. it's going to be used against you because he's he's already thrown shit in her face. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Ugh. But the next day at school, Esther passes Daniel his backpack from the back seat. He takes it from her and they both get out of the car. As Daniel starts up the steps to the school, books fall out of his backpack. So she just sliced that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so fucking, that's like a prank. Yeah. Say, <laughs> so, hey, you dropped your books, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of payback. <laughs> well, kind of. But Kate calls out to him and gets out of the car to help him gather his things. And Esther sneaks back over to the car. She gets in the driver's seat, puts the car in neutral, and releases the emergency brake before casually walking away with her books. The car, with Max still in the back seat, begins to slide backwards. What Max do? I don't know. I think yeah, it just I, it heightens the stakes for Kate. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> if it was just her car, she's like, my vehicle. Yeah. yeah. We just paid it off. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Daniel points this out to Kate, who runs after it, screaming. A man hauls ass, trying to stop it, but just as he gets the door open, he slips on the icy road. And- <laughs> <laughs> well, that and the car's going backwards. I mean, I'm, I don't mean to laugh because he was fucking no, chopping it. The was. way he falls just looks kind of funny. I just laughed because I was like, the stunt man is putting in some work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he really was. Because he was chopping. Yeah. But cars behind Kate swerve out of the way and Kate's vehicle finally comes to a stop when it hits a mound of snow. She rips open Max's door and holds her as she cries. Back home, Kate sits with John and Dr. Browning and says that she deliberately remembers parking the car and setting the brake. Dr. Browning says that Max didn't say that Esther did anything, but Kate explains this as Max covering for Esther and that she doesn't think this is the first time. Dr. Browning proposes that this isn't the first time Kate has blamed Esther for her own mistake either. When when did that happen? Yeah, Yeah, what? I'd like to be like, no, tell me. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? After contemplating for a moment, Kate says that she just wants Esther out of the house. Dr. Browning asks if she really wants someone to just come and take her away. And Kate says that she does because she'll do anything to protect her children. John takes this opportunity to present the unopened bottle of wine. He sets it on the table saying that the girls found it. Kate knows that the girls found it yeah. means that Esther found it. But John says that it doesn't make any difference. It makes it a huge it fucking difference. No, it does. It does. <laughs> Dr. Browning tells Kate that she needs help and that they've made arrangements at a rehab center 45 minutes away. Kate tells them that she didn't drink the wine. She says that she bought two bottles. She poured the other one down the sink and she hasn't had a drink in nearly a year. Dr. Browning says that they want to help, but she's got to stop lying. But Kate says that she isn't lying. She very badly wanted to drink that wine, but she didn't. 
John starts to say that if Max had gotten hurt in the car this morning, but Kate says that what happened this morning has nothing to do with the wine. John doesn't believe her. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Kate (laughs) says that she is sober for Daniel and Max. She says that she thinks about what happened at the pond and what could have happened if John hadn't been there. And she refuses to let anything like that happen again. John just calls her manipulative. How is that manipulative? Yeah, I don't... (laughs) I was so confused when he said that because he says like it hits him and he's like, that is so manipulative. How? Tell me. Kate pleads with him to believe her, saying that she'll go to therapy or AA if he wants her to, but she just needs him to believe her. But John says that he doesn't. He lays down an ultimatum. She has one week to go to rehab or he's leaving her and taking the kids. I'd be like, my kids aren't going anywhere, but I do think that you leaving is probably going to be the best bet. I don't know if I don't know if I... Could see a future after this. No, because, I mean, he is just, every single point she makes, he's like, well, it could be the opposite of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's... The entire time yeah. that you've known yeah. me, the whole life that we've built together, the problems that we've had and overcome, that means that, nothing. Yeah, that's the thing. And and I... and uh, How old is uh the oldest boy? What's his... I'm sorry. Daniel. 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 I don't know. Preteen. Either way, yeah. yeah. You've been together that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, like you just said, whatever problems or obstacles we had in our way along our relationship, we overcame them. Well, We're, he, he cheated what, on her 10 years ago. So, I mean, it's been at least a decade. Right. Yeah. But she only knew, knew about it two, two years, years ago. ago. Right. Okay. But I'm saying they've I been together get at least that, that, but that yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. So you've been together that long. This man is acting like he... He has <laughs> no <laughs> idea who you are. Yeah. I, <laughs> I just don't... I think that's the thing is that... There comes a point where characters are simply acting like this because they were written to act like this. Yeah. And I think that's when I start to get a little bothered. Yeah. yeah. Because there is no, at least I would fucking hope. I, yeah, I yeah. would hope. This is beyond. Yeah, there's no human on the planet Earth that'd be reacting like this. Not only that, the doctor, right? Wouldn't, yeah. Wouldn't, the, wouldn't she be able to be like, now, hold on. That wasn't the doctor manipulative. Should be like, yeah. That was, you know. Yeah, like moderating. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah. so right. Be like, she's like, that no, that was pretty manipulative. No, like, no, you're right, dude. You're paying the bill, right? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. She's just yeah, like, no, really, though, fuck you, Kate. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, oh, my <laughs> well, God. What the doctor should be saying is, oh, by the way, someone fucked up my bathroom the last yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> you guys know anything about that? <laughs> But upstairs, Max watches crying as John details how things are going to go after this, starting with his mother coming tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Esther comes up behind her and whispers into her hearing aid, I'll shoot mommy if you tell. Later, as Esther hums and sings in the bathroom, Daniel sneaks past and into Max's room. He asks his sister if Esther had anything to do with what happened to the car and Max hesitates. He urges her to tell him so they can go to their parents and their parents can protect them. But Max says that they can't help. She pulls out a stack of drawings and hands them to Daniel. The first is of Esther pushing Brenda off the slide. Then Esther beating Sister Abigail with the hammer. Then her and Esther in the treehouse. When Daniel asks what happened in the treehouse, Max says that Esther put the bad things in there. Daniel asks if they're still there, and Max nods. He assures his sister that everything will be fine. Once they get the stuff out of the treehouse, they'll have to believe them. <laughs> As he's talking, we pan over to see Esther fully listening. Yeah. Max's story. Because, of course, he just laid out his whole plan. Yeah. He's like, listen! <laughs> and I'll leave right now. Yeah. And I'm like, it's like, come on. <laughs> so if anyone wanted to stop me, yeah. <laughs> that bitch won't know what hit her. 
It's too much, man. Kate gets out of bed, leaving John sleeping alone and puts on her jeans. She quietly leaves the room with a bag and goes into Max's room. Just as she starts to pull back the covers, the light turns on and Esther sits in the chair watching her. I don't know where she's going. No. But Esther asks Kate if she's going somewhere and Kate tells her to go to her room. Esther's like, aren't we past that? (laughs) Kate says she's not going to let Esther hurt her children, but Esther flips the script. She brings up the time that Max almost drowned in the pond because Kate was passed out drunk. She says that if John hadn't been there, Max would be dead and Kate would still be in jail. This knocks Kate off balance and she asks who told Esther that. Esther holds up Kate's diary and she's like, it's very intimate. You fucking asshole, dude. (laughs) She says that she's learned so much from reading it, including Jessica, John cheating on her, where she hides her wine bottles. Kate demands that she gives the diary back, but Esther begins to read a very painful passage about phantom fetal movement. Kate snatches the diary away and pleads with Esther to stop. Esther finally stops reciting the passage, but says that this is all Kate's fault for taking her family for granted. She tries to walk out, but Kate stops her, asking what she meant by that, but Esther's like, what you got? What you got? <laughs> Man, she should have two-pieced her. Yeah. Like, oh, uh-uh. she, first of all, she never took her family for granted. No, so. she no, yeah, That no, never once happened, no. so I don't know where you're getting that. She asks if Kate is going to hit her, and when Kate is rendered speechless, Esther just leaves. Uppercut. Really? (laughs) Motherfucker. The next morning, Kate talks on the phone with Sister Judith, demanding to know how they could not know anything about Esther. Sister Judith says that the Sullivans, the family before them, could have adopted Esther illegally. She asks if Esther remembers anything, but Kate says that she'll just call Sister Judith back and she hangs up. Daniel snags a crowbar from under his bed and confirms that his grandmother is distracted reading on the couch before he puts his coat on and heads downstairs. He narrowly misses being seen by Kate, who goes into Esther's room. She begins to look through her things, starting with the drawer that had her Bible in it, but it's gone. She starts to go through her bed, tossing the stuffed animals aside, but pausing when one of them hits the ground much harder than it should have. Stuffed inside is the Bible. She opens it up to the picture of the man that she had seen before, but as she flips through, she finds more pictures of men, all seemingly ripped from larger photos. When she gets to the end of the Bible, there's an emblem on the last page that reads Sarn Institute. So, see, this is where it gets difficult because if she were to take this to John, he would just be like, why are you going through her things? Yeah! Yes. Yeah. You went through her things, <laughs> like, and it wouldn't amount to anything. Yeah. So it's no, it, you know, it sucks that it's all on her. Yeah. And she can't tell fucking Barbara either. She's not gonna do anything. We cut to Kate looking up the institute on her laptop. She finds the number for the institute and calls, asking the woman on the other end, played by Pia Ajango, if anyone there speaks English. I do want to call out that we've had two research scenes so far. (laughs) (laughs) Barbara side-eyes Kate as the receptionist goes to find someone. As an orderly, played by Matthew Rodsett, picks the phone back up, Daniel sneaks outside and climbs the ladder to his treehouse, checking over his shoulder every step of the way. Kate begins to tell the orderly that she's looking for information on Esther, but before she can get far, the orderly stops her and says that Esther didn't come from Sarn Institute. Sarn Institute is not an orphanage. It's a mental hospital. 
Outside, Daniel reaches the door to his treehouse to find the lock open. He carefully goes inside and immediately starts to look in the little hidey hole. Why is he not concerned? Yeah, I, I know. He's like, oh, I that know. saves me. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, this is great. I knew how to steal these. <laughs> Esther opens the door and walks in. She holds up the bloody hammer and asks if this is what he's looking for. She drops it to the ground and begins to pull the bloody clothes she was wearing and drop them on the floor as well. This is not a good sign. <laughs> She tells them that she couldn't have done what she did to Sister Abigail alone, but Daniel says that whatever Max did, Esther made her do. Esther pulls Max's drawings and drops them onto the pile of evidence. She asks how Max would have even known all this was up here. It's like, you don't have the leverage that you think you yeah. do. <laughs> Max is like six. Yeah. It is kind of funny. I meant to mention earlier that she kind of sketched every single crime scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of... <laughs> She takes out lighter fluid and says that it's just better to burn it all. If someone if someone finds all this, they won't only come for her, they'll come for Max too. Esther sprays the evidence with lighter fluid, lights a match, and drops it down. <laughs> she continues to spray the lighter fluid, causing the fire to spread, and engulfs the treehouse, forcing Daniel into a corner. Esther easily slips out and locks the door behind her. She watches with a big smile as Daniel climbs out of the window, screaming for his mother. So while she's doing like her James Bond villain monologue, <laughs> yeah. why didn't he rush her or anything like or rush past her or something? Right, right. And she's like, and no one will ever <laughs> yeah. it's like, get, get, get out. Get the fuck out. What do you think she's going to do? She's just presenting all this evidence. Yeah. She's going to catch on fire, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah sure. I, mean, yes. I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well I, I I looked it up because I was like, man, that thing caught really fast. It did. Yeah. And it's covered in snow. So it's wet. For that Don't wood to catch much. that fast, <laughs> it would need to have less than 20% moisture. That that, that treehouse yeah. is okay, fucking wet. So there's it that. Is. There's also the fact that, I mean, we'll get to it later, but she was x-rayed to find out her arm was broken at the hospital. Oh, yeah, that's true. And that's maybe they would have found something interesting. Maybe <laughs> oh, not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, don't look that. too yeah. fucking close. Don't like, look too close. Okay. These bones? I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about these bones. I don't know about <laughs> <laughs> You say you're not? Are you sure? <laughs> Don't look too close. All right, all right. The treehouse is engulfed in flames and she has little girl bones. All right. Okay. That's, that's what we're going with moving forward. And this is a very dramatic way to murder Daniel. <laughs> yeah. For nobody this, else to notice. How did this yeah. happen? He's playing with matches. Yeah. That's okay. what John will say. I can't believe yeah. it. Well, yeah. Oh, there was a plot. A, there was a subplot cut in this script that was written where Esther tried to frame him with weed she found in his treehouse. Oh, all right, come on. And so <laughs> John's like, he was just trying to light up. <laughs> he was trying to blaze it, and he fucking. Where'd she get yeah. the weed from? It was already in the treehouse. It was oh. John's. He said, it yeah, John? <laughs> it helps him draw. Yeah, <laughs> that's how he designed this house. Right. <laughs> it checks out. Yeah oblivious kate is still on the phone with sister judith telling her about the sarn institute in estonia sister judith says that that can't be right because esther came from russia not estonia kate says that she's sending a photo of esther to the institute she proposes that maybe esther's biological mother was a patient there esther may have even been born there outside daniel climbs to the very top of the structure of his treehouse as flames lick up at him he screams for his mother before slipping and landing on a beam struggling to hold on 
It's I, it, I it's not funny, <laughs> <laughs> but I did laugh and Kate because Kate's on the phone and she's like, oh yeah, I'll make sure to email that to you. And he's like, ah, <laughs> no, please. And it's just like the contrast is great. Yeah. And for some reason, Barbara like glared at Kate when she was on the phone. Like, yeah, she she's side eyeing. Like, yeah. What are you doing? I don't. I don't. She's a bitch. I don't know. Yeah. As the treehouse begins to collapse on itself, Daniel falls and lands hard in the snow. Esther watches the entire thing, smiling. <laughs> it's only at this moment that Kate sees the burning treehouse out the window. She tells Barbara to call 911 and rushes outside. Esther picks up a big rock and holds it over an unconscious Daniel. I guess she's about to pigeon him. <laughs> I guess so. But she tells him not to, this. Okay. Mm -hmm. She goes, it's like from the back of her. So like, this is obviously added after <laughs> yeah. but she goes, don't worry. You're going to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit much. I know. But Max comes out of nowhere and pushes her, causing her to fall down and drop the rock. She glares at Max, but before she can do anything else, Kate comes running toward them, screaming. She tries to resuscitate her son before glaring at Esther. In the next scene, they all sit in the waiting room of a hospital. The ICU doctor, played by Sagit Varaghese, comes out to say that they're very lucky. He was able to stop the abdominal bleeding. Daniel still has a serious neck injury, but he's stabilized. Kate asks if Daniel will be able to tell them what happened, and this gets <laughs> Esther's attention. Yeah, <laughs> shit. The doctor says it's possible, but they won't know anything until he wakes up. I don't think that I would have asked that question in front of no. Esther. Yeah, <laughs> I know. What the fuck? Like, that's just a rookie mistake. You know better than anyone. <laughs> yeah. Later, away from the kids and John's mother, John and Kate have a conversation in the hallway. He, of course, does not believe her, saying there's no way Esther came from a mental institution. Kate reminds him that the orphanage that he thought she came from has never even heard of her. Everything she ever said could be a lie. John debates that they have her passport, medical records, and school records, but Kate says that they're all from across the world. This just leads John to point out the printout from the Sarn Institute doesn't mean anything either then. The way he says it. <laughs> no, yeah. Because she says that those records are just pieces of paper. And yeah. he goes, so is this? Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Why yeah. did I even try to tell you Literally. anything? Literally. Kate tells him that his own mother was there when this happened. She says that the fire was either started by Daniel or Esther. She's like, who do you think did it? And he says he doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know. He's like, I don't know. Maybe I did. Yeah, like, what the fuck, dude? He's like, that one's on me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I told her if she was cold, that she should, <laughs> she should light a fire. I didn't say where to light yeah. the fire. <laughs> That's my bad. Yeah. Oh, I my just God. This dude. I can't. But this is understandably the line for Kate. She says that she will leave tonight if that's what he wants. But on one condition, Esther leaves too. In the waiting room, Esther asks Barbara for a dollar for the soda machine. Barbara says that Kate wanted Esther to stay right there. But Esther looks sad literally for two seconds. And Barbara's like, all right. How? She pulls yeah. out a dollar and tells her to hurry. That's enough to disobey? Apparently. Yeah. Max glares at Esther as she happily walks down the hall. But the second she is out of sight, the smile drops from her face. In Daniel's room, the curtain around his bed closes. Back in the waiting room, Max sits in thought before telling her grandmother that she's going to go get Esther. Barbara just lets her leave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's six I, years old. <laughs> I didn't get that at all. It's all very frustrating. <laughs> 
in Daniel's room, Esther takes the monitor off of his finger and puts it on her own. She takes the oxygen mask off of his face. And just as he wakes up with his eyes full of tears, Esther brings the pillow down on his face. Max reaches the soda machines. And of course, Esther is not there. <laughs> she just stole her dollar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably going to grab one on the way back. Yeah, She had a plan. In Daniel's room, he screams against the pillow as Esther continues suffocating him. Max runs and gets her mother's attention just as Daniel stops struggling. With a smile, Esther puts the monitor back on his finger and it reads that he has no pulse. A code 99 is called in the ICU and Kate runs along with the nurses pulling the crash cart with them. Once John hands Max off to his mother, he follows her. They stop Kate from entering the room, but tell her that Daniel is in cardiac arrest. John and Kate stand at the door as the team bring Daniel back. They report that he has a pulse and Kate takes off. I did read that this assassination attempt was supposed to be successful. Yeah. yeah. She was going to kill Daniel. In the script, there's even a scene like right after this happens, Daniel's dead. Yeah. And the doctor goes, he literally says, wow. No, wow. <laughs> that was me. Wow. Editorializing. <laughs> but he literally says to the Coleman's, he goes, I guess his injuries were worse than we thought. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. And that's just it. And then what happens that's... next happens. But it's like, that's way too much. Yeah. dude. It's a lot. But I think it makes more sense for a problem that I have later on. Okay. But we'll get there. He didn't say wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What a fucking dick, dude. Wow, guys. Nice. I don't know what to tell you. But Kate takes off. She runs immediately to Esther, who is standing innocently in the waiting area. She asks her, what did you do, you bitch? And slaps her across the face. And if I recall, she does have a soda in her hand. Yeah. <laughs> I told you. So there you go. Esther immediately goes down and Kate has to be held back from attacking her further. She yells that Esther is trying to kill her baby as Esther sobs and cries out for John. Kate is dragged away by an orderly injected with the <laughs> I'm sorry, injected what, what the with the sedative and, and brought what? down to the floor. <laughs> yeah, what is happening here? What hospital is this? Yeah. Because that's fucking a lawsuit, dude. <laughs> that's too much. You're in, dude. So, first of all, he had that at the ready. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he didn't run and go get nope. it. They Two orderlies grabbed her, and then two seconds later, he's like, and that goes there yeah. and injects her. <laughs> okay. Not, not only that, you would think there would be police officers here. An accident yes. just happened. Yeah. Absolutely. They, this family's here. They're trying to get a report. They're trying to talk to them. Where are they at? No idea. Why are they not there in front of, you know what I mean, the room or talking to the parents somewhere? Nothing. What, what is happening? This no, entire hospital scene is bonkers, dude. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, yeah. Like, I think, <laughs> and I, I, this is kind of where things start to get very strange for me as a whole for the yeah. film. Because, I mean, let's just continue. Okay. John scoops up Esther and looks at Kate like she's a monster. As Kate is subdued, her dropped cell phone rings on the floor as she misses a call from an unknown number. When Kate wakes up later in the hospital, mm -hmm. John is by her side. I feel like, okay, <laughs> realistically, she never would have been randomly sedated. And yeah, no, no. No, no. not at all. No, that's not how that works. No. no. She would have been arrested because yes. she just fucking slapped yes. this child in the yeah. face oh, no, yeah. in front of Everyone. God and everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this is bananas. Mm -hmm. She immediately asks about Daniel and John tells her that they're running tests. They'll know more tomorrow. 
He says not to worry about Daniel because he's going to be fine and he'll be home in a few days. He tells Kate that she needs to stay here in the hospital and rest while he takes Esther and Max home. I just want to say at the very least, whether you fully believe Kate or not, she has raised some good questions. Yeah. <laughs> to where She's at least introduced some doubt. Absolutely. This kind of reaction to be saying, I'm taking Esther and Max home. Yeah. Sounds unreasonable to me. It's actually a lot too, because like I feel like I would tell the grandma, take the girls home. My son is literally in the ICU. My wife. And my wife has been sedated against her will. (laughs) So we're going to call a couple lawyers. (laughs) Maybe maybe I'm going to hang out at least for a little bit. Yes. I like this is crazy. I'm just laughing thinking about that doctor just having those at the ready. (laughs) Like that, there. I wouldn't think that that's on. I mean, when you give all. when you give someone medication, you need to know a lot their vitals. Yeah. You need to know their weight. You need allergies. Like, this is crazy. Uh, I like could not. I gasped because I could not believe this was happening. I said out loud, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> <laughs> but weekly, Kate asks him to keep Esther away from Max. Her vision is blurry, but she can see John hesitate. He simply tells her that he loves her and leaves the room. Through the glass in the door, Kate can see Esther look back at her as she leaves with John. Back home, John puts Max to bed. She takes out her hearing aids, and John says that he loves her and assures her that Daniel will be okay. Esther comes into the room to wish Max sweet dreams, but Max literally sinks into her bed and looks afraid of her. Doesn't John just sit there? Yeah. He's like, oh, that's really sweet. Of yeah. yeah. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Esther bends down to kiss Max on the forehead. But when she stands back up, she takes the hearing aids off of the nightstand. Of course, John sees none of this, even though he's looking right at yeah. her. Yeah. And Max no is shit. clearly uncomfortable. He tells Max to close her eyes and switches <laughs> off the light and leaves her, closing the door behind him. Downstairs. John sits on the couch with a bottle of wine and begins to drink. Upstairs, Esther takes a black dress and begins to rip it up to shorten it. John gets progressively more drunk downstairs until Esther walks in. Is that one of Kate's? Yes. That's just inconsiderate. She's holding a knife and wearing the newly shortened dress. She sets down a charcuterie board and in his drunken stupor, John can see that she's wearing a dress and has done her makeup, black eyeliner and red lipstick. I think at this point, everything that's happened so far, the fact that she put together a charcuterie board. Yeah. (laughs) That's suspicious as fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Right? I mean... But I can't even do that. <laughs> so she was doing that in the kitchen while he was just sitting there drinking. Apparently. What are you doing in there, honey? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Just putting together <laughs> <Yeah>. a charcuterie <laughs> board. He asks what she's wearing and she asks him if he likes it. She sits down next to him and tells him that she doesn't want to be alone because she's scared. She tells him that she loves him and he says it back as she kisses his cheek. She says that she really loves him and kisses him again. John sits with his eyes closed until Esther whispers in his ear, John, let me take care of you. He's alert now, asking what she's doing. He asks what's going on and Esther fights back tears, telling him that he said he loved her. 
John just tells her that she's confused. He doesn't love her in that way. That's how he and Kate love each other. No, no, no. No, it's not. Because you don't believe your wife. Yeah, you, oh, you, so you, don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't love her. He's like, look, I don't yeah, love yeah, anyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love no one like yeah. that. <laughs> Except maybe Joyce. Yeah. <laughs> maybe Joyce. I got a chair to help her move tomorrow. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe the chair. Yeah, maybe, but, yeah. maybe the chair. <laughs> but outside of that. Yeah. <laughs> he asks if she understands, but Esther says that she doesn't see it that way. John tells her that she needs to respect Kate, and she says that she does, but sometimes it feels like she's the only one that respects John. No one thinks about what he's feeling. She says that she really cares about him. And John says that he knows he's just tired and he doesn't know what to do. He says that everything is falling apart and he starts to sob, saying that he's so worried for Daniel. Esther tells him that he's a good person. He's a great father and he's handsome. He suddenly looks down and rips the blanket off of him and jumps up disgusted. It it seems like she was. Yeah, I don't even want to. Yeah. He tells her to go to her room. Esther says to stop talking to her like she's a child, but John is finally done. He says he's calling Sister Judith tomorrow to talk about her future in this house with them because he can't do it anymore. Esther says, fine, and heads upstairs. She collapses on her bed, sobbing with the mascara running down her face. This is one of the most uncomfortable things we've ever. One hundred percent. I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. It's it's a lot. Um, the line, "Why are you treating me like I'm a child?" or "Talking to me like I'm a yeah. child." That's a cause for concern. Yeah. yeah. Why a, are we yes. not? It's a, everything that just happened. It, everything. He's like, like I'm every, calling the nun tomorrow. Everything that's been about? happening is a cause for concern. Absolutely. This and then what do you mean you've had enough, motherfucker? You've been defending her the whole time. Yeah, it's true. This is such a <laughs> giant red flag. At best, something horrible has happened to her. Yeah. Yes. The fact that this is what you think is appropriate. This is what you think that. A loving father like this is it's horrible yeah. this, the implications of this are i mean just they couldn't be bigger and he's just like i'm gonna call sister judith tomorrow yeah. <laughs> like this is so like his reaction to this i know that he's supposed to be drunk or whatever but mm-hmm. this yeah, is so but- off this is so fu- like and all of this yeah. is wrong can i also say the fucking asshole that he is that he is so on Kate about her life and her decisions. Yeah. But the first thing that he does whenever he gets home is he drinks an entire bottle of yeah. wine. Yeah, I was I was thinking yeah. that too. I was like, that's not okay. Like man. really, man? You, you still uh, got these kids to take care of. So you think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yep. just it's unbelievable. It's a lot. And uh, you know what? To be honest, he's been drinking this entire film around Kate. Has he? He was drinking at dinner. He was drink like he <gasps> He was. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. kind of inconsiderate. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah. But par for the course with this asshole. Yeah. Yeah. But in the hospital, Kate's phone rings. She answers it and it's Dr. Varava, played by Carl Roden, calling from the Sarn Institute. He recognized that picture that Kate sent of Esther and he asks if she can hear Kate right now. (laughs) Can I ask? This might have just been me because I was tired or whatever, but did any of these lines seem like they were actually coming out of his mouth? Not really. No. Like, as I'm watching, I'm like, this is entirely. (laughs) (laughs) Kate says that Esther is not with her. She's home with her husband. Dr. Varava says to call her husband right now and tell him to get their family out of the house and then call the police. Kate says that John won't listen to her. But the doctor says that the little girl in their home is not a little girl. She's a grown woman. 
Kate protests, saying that Esther is only nine years old. We see Esther crying at home as Dr. Varava continues to speak. He says she's not nine years old. She has a hormone disorder, hypopituitarism. It causes proportional dwarfism. Esther may look like a child, but her name is Lena Clammer, and she was born in 1976. <laughs> she's 33 years old. <laughs> <laughs> which is really the most diabolical age yeah. oh come on I, I did write in my notes I was like <laughs> Esther's nays age this is just bombs keep fucking exploding yeah. it was it was enough that she didn't come from where she claimed yeah, yeah. but adding this on top she yeah. was born in 1976 <laughs> <laughs> that's so much dude Kate has unhooked herself from the IV and gotten dressed. She says that this must be a mistake. And Dr. Varava is like, well, I hope it is. He asks if Esther has the scars, but Kate doesn't know what he's talking about. We see Esther fuming with makeup running down her face as the doctor explains that Esther was an incredibly violent patient during her time at the Institute and was kept in a straitjacket. Because she fought against it, it cut into her skin and left her with scars on her wrists and neck. Esther pulls off the ribbons on her wrists and neck to reveal the scars. So her head didn't fall off. Okay. I was a little disappointed, but... I do feel like it's interesting because even if she didn't wear those, I don't know that anyone would ever connect. Like if I saw someone's scars, I would like, yeah. <laughs> you've escaped from the Sarn Institute. I would never, I would never in a million years yeah. guess that. <laughs> so it was just another quirk, I guess. Yeah. As Kate leaves the hospital, Dr. Varava says that she's dangerously ill and violent. She's killed seven people that they know of. Esther pulls out her small, fake, childlike teeth to reveal larger, stained ones and takes off her makeup. Kate asks how she could have fooled them, but Dr. Varava says that she's been passing herself off as a little girl for most of her life. She tricked a family in Estonia into adopting her, and when she couldn't seduce the father of the family, she killed him and the rest of the family. Good Lord. <laughs> he looks at a picture of that family, the photo of the man's picture in Esther's Bible. The photo it was cut out yeah. of. Yeah, but why does he just have that on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep this around. To yeah. I remember them. <laughs> Kate finishes the story and then she burned the house down. Dr. Varava says that she disappeared a year ago. And if that's really who it is, they don't have much time. I feel like we needed this dramatic, like Kate having to get back to her family thing. Mm -hmm. But I think it would have worked better if maybe she was at a rehab facility because they talked about that. I feel like her being in the hospital just makes no fucking sense. Yeah. No, so really I'll doesn't. take anything else. Maybe she left and she's staying at a hotel because things are bad. Yeah. Although I don't think she'd leave her children there. But yeah, any, like anything but her being injected with something random. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would have made. She's sleeping it off in the hospital. It just doesn't make any sense. Wait, so she's taking up a room for yeah. her? Yeah. <laughs> Again, that's. <laughs> how are they billing her? Because she's there against her will. And yeah. she can just leave. Anytime. She's just leaving and there's no police were called. No. She just beat this child yeah. in the lobby. Nobody cares. Like, it's just, it doesn't make it any actually, sense. And actually, the more we talk about it, the less sense. Yeah. It's getting it worse. I will say, though, that of all the things to consider, I never thought this twist was coming. Yeah. No. She's not, like, the whole time, like, she's not even double digits and turns out she could have bought her own ticket to Pulp Fiction. Yeah. <laughs> in 94. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's, it's a big thing. And I think this is, for me, what kind of saves a lot of the moments that I didn't enjoy. Yes. Yeah. Because the twist is so good. It's yeah. really good. 
Back at home, Esther wrecks her entire room, throwing a huge fit. When she breaks her mirror, John finally hears downstairs. <laughs> Esther looks at her shattered reflection and takes her dress off before unbinding her breasts. In her room, Max wakes up and reaches for her hearing aids, but they're gone. John goes into Esther's room to find it wrecked. He turns off the light to leave, but notices the neon paint by the fish tank. He opens the tank to illuminate the room and finds all the secret dark drawings behind the ones that she made. There's a family portrait with everyone dead and bleeding except for Esther and John. He takes the pictures down and finds a mural behind them of Esther and John naked with their tongues entwined. Oh, okay. <laughs> what the fuck? He finds more smut on another wall when he takes the drawing off, but he's distracted by the phone ringing. I okay, so you see the first the family portrait, yeah, and it shows the family dead, and then like a little glow around. Yes, I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess that makes. And then the mural, I'm like, oh, that's graphic. Holy <laughs> shit! You, you didn't need to do all that. No, it's <laughs> very excessive. But it's Kate racing home, begging him to pick up the phone. She's like, come on, Johnny. She called him Johnny in the like hospital once. room too. They, yeah. He's been John the whole fucking movie. Yeah. Like, this is weird to me. <laughs> But just as John picks up the ringing landline, though, the electricity cuts out. John goes downstairs to find the fuse box sparking. So I guess she's like, <laughs> yeah, but that's sure. a rechargeable phone. It. Oh, yeah. oh, no. Even if the line cut off, the phone went off when the power went out. That wouldn't have happened. She also cut the phone line. <laughs> <laughs> that probably wouldn't yeah, matter yeah, we, either. We didn't see that part. No, yeah, whatever. <laughs> But consumed by her phone, Kate nearly gets into another accident, but regains control of the vehicle. John gets a flashlight and inspects the fuse box as Kate calls the police to report an intruder in their home. She probably should have done this a long time ago. Yeah. John comes back upstairs and wanders around until we hear a thud and he freezes. It's revealed that Esther has fucking stabbed him in the back. Okay, he turns around like someone tapped him on the shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> it was like Ernest Menville. He's like, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't that was an odd yeah it was <laughs> odd choice <laughs> but he falls to the ground Esther looks down at him her face haggard without her makeup on John's cell phone rings and he's not able to answer it Kate zooms in and out of traffic as Esther gets on top of John and repeatedly stabs him in the chest. It is pretty fucking brutal. Yeah, he lays there. He just lets it happen. <laughs> he did, he did yeah, let it happen. He doesn't put up much of a no, fight at all. He was still not really shocked about yeah. the tap. <laughs> <laughs> she murders John and looks up to see Max watching from the top of the stairs. Max quietly goes into her room and hides in her closet. Kate finally arrives home and is unable to stop, so she crashes right into the house. <laughs> Esther takes the gun out of the safe as Kate comes inside and finds her husband dead on the floor. <laughs> this is like such an inconsequential character in the film, but at this point I was like, where's Barbara? Oh, oh yeah. My God. Because I think Kate just ran into her. <laughs> Barbara's <laughs> like, dead. Yeah. Like, I mean, where? because shouldn't she be somewhere? Yeah. yeah she was with them, yeah, dude. I was. completely yeah. fucking forgot. I completely forgot. <laughs> That's what happens when you underwrite a character. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But Kate sobs and screams over John's body before grabbing up the flashlight and turning her focus on Max. She runs up the stairs and finds Max's bed empty. She checks the closet, but Max isn't there either, even though we saw her hide in there earlier. She goes into the bathroom and after a moment rips the shower curtain open. There's no one inside, but Esther takes this opportunity to fire the gun and grazes Kate's arm with the bullet. 
In the closet, Max jumps out of the hamper and Esther climbs the stairs. Kate goes into the bedroom where Esther had set candles up and put a rose on the bed. She goes, what the fuck? <laughs> well, <laughs> that looks really weird. It was horrible. You better be fucking your mom. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is probably too bad. Was- <laughs> probably. Joy- Joyce better be coming over. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's already been established that he's cheating. Let's go to the chair. The chair lady. The chair which honestly it's really fucked up because if you think about it <laughs> she's staying the night in the hospital and he's like Joyce <laughs> <laughs> because look at, look at the bed yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it no, looks they, fucking horrible yeah, it was, it it was, unless he was really just setting the mood for himself mm. he's gonna take a nice bath yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who knows I mean I certainly don't <laughs> but she goes into the bathroom and wraps a cloth around her arm Esther goes in and finds Kate gone, but a bloodstain shows that she's been there. Max quietly creeps downstairs. Esther peeks out of a window and doesn't see Kate standing against the house, holding her bleeding arm and shivering in the snow. <laughs> what are you laughing at? No, I'm just, I just can't believe you said that. I can't either. <laughs> Probably cut that part out, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Esther closes the window and locks it. Downstairs, Max knocks over a potted plant and it crashes to the floor, but she can't hear it. She hides among the plants until Kate gets her attention through the glass ceiling. I guess this whole thing's like a little greenhouse. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But Kate sees Esther advancing on her daughter and tells Max to hide and not move. Max follows instructions. Esther sees Kate through the glass and fires up at her before looking again for Max. When she finds her, Kate screams at her not to hurt her, and it distracts Esther enough for Max to run away. She briskly jogs away. <laughs> yeah. She does. <laughs> briskly? <laughs> she did. She did. I was like, run! <laughs> Max knees to chest, Because good lord. Kate finally breaks the glass and falls, landing right on top of Esther. Max comes over and cries as she shakes her mom, but Kate is okay. Esther is unconscious, but Kate still takes the gun and picks Max up, taking her out of the house. Outside, Kate and Esther watch in the woods as the police cars approach. The police go inside and find John's body. But when they get to the spot where Esther's body was, she's gone. I will say there is an alternate ending. Mm -hmm. And at this moment where they're like casing the house, Esther is putting her childlike makeup back on. Yeah. She puts on her ribbons and she comes downstairs and goes, hi, I'm Esther to the police. And that's the end of the movie. They just go right past her. Upstairs. Oh, wow. Yeah. And which right. is honestly not bad. It's not bad. She's all cut up from the glass and yeah, stuff. Yeah. But uh, they're like, that must be about something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she's a little girl again. But the, but <laughs> but if Kate is still alive, yeah. like, she would shoot exposure. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. True. She's like, no, it's her right there. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's, that's not true. the ending we get. No. I did, I did wonder why they were taking this route back to the house of all the routes they could have taken over the pond. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the exact pond. Yeah. That we, but, but I mean, it all it needed to end here. Thematically, it makes sense. Yeah. But in this version, suddenly Esther comes running at them through the woods holding a knife. Kate raises the gun to shoot her, but they both tumble down a hill and the gun is lost. They land, like you said, on the frozen pond. Kate hitting her head against it. Ooh, yeah. She hits it so hard, I thought she was going to be knocked out, but she's, she's not. <laughs> They fight on the frozen ice, getting further and further in as Max notices the gun in the snow. Max fires at them, falling backward and shooting a hole in the ice. Kate and Esther both fall through into the freezing water. 
Kate is able to come up and get air, but Esther pulls her back down, stabbing her in the water. Kate is finally able to hit her in the face and Esther stops floating. I don't... I've never fought anyone underwater before. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like if it's like any... Well, it lowers the impact, yeah. you mean? Yeah. Fighting in my dreams, I can't knock anyone out. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't think you can do that, but... Well, not not only that, I know they tumbled down after Esther hit her. Yeah. But you know she's not a kid no more. Right. Oh, no, I had to fuck yeah, no, you up. Fuck her no, up. Oh, you're an adult? <laughs> All right. <laughs> she's still treating her like a child. Yeah. Oh, like, well, she's putting her hand on her forehead. And- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, swinging. just wailing wildly <laughs> to no result. But Max walks out onto the ice and Kate finally resurfaces, telling Max to go back off of the water. As she climbs out, Esther grabs her leg and pulls herself up. She gasps for air, hiding the knife behind her back. She asks Kate, please don't let me die, mommy. Kate tells her, I'm not your fucking mommy, before kicking her in the face, breaking her neck, Yeah, which looks... I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I thought that we were going to do the Mortal Kombat zoom in on the, yeah. <laughs> the bones. But she sends her down into the dark depths of the ice cold water. I do want to say the line is good, but it was also in the ring, too. I know. Yeah. It was the exact same line. The exact one. same line. The other thing, though, is that it would have hit more in the script earlier on whenever they're bringing Esther home. Yeah. Esther keeps calling her mother, but in Russian. Mm-hmm. And so Kate makes a big deal saying, no, you can call me mommy. Oh, yeah. That, right. that would yeah. have hit better. Yeah, because would. Why would you cut that out yeah. if you're going to be doing this? Yeah. If this is your big go home line. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't know. yeah. I don't know. But Kate picks up Max and the two walk through the trees to waiting officers. Over the end credits, we see Esther hastily doing her makeup and painting her nails. We see her making her artwork, flowers blooming and dying in her case file from Sarn Institute. The actual credits roll as Glory of Love by Jimmy Durante plays. Before <laughs> before I ask the customary question, I did want to point out, we never find out if Daniel lives no. or dies. Yeah, at all. Yeah. <laughs> there should be like a, the post credits should be like fucking an answering machine or something. Yeah. <laughs> Your son's fine, by the way. Yeah. Like, and oh. I never noticed it. I brought it up to John Paul and he was like, I didn't even fucking think of it. No. It's how yeah. I felt when you mentioned Barbara. Yeah. Like the, yeah. for a movie as long as this is, that ending is so rushed. Yeah. They're like, let's get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just it. There should be a note at the end. Daniel will return. And yeah, right. <laughs> he's Orphan okay, too. everybody. Yeah. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but what did you guys think of Orphan? Despite all the bitching, uh, <laughs> I I do enjoy this movie and I do think it is worth the watch. Mm-hmm. It is good. There is a, I mean, paying attention to everything does hurt it. <laughs> I will say that. Yeah. Uh, watching it just to watch it and kind of like, oh, fuck, especially if you've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Yeah, it's good. But I mean, man, if you kind of look at it, it's like, what the fuck's happening here? It's it's just like you said, the trope, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It's like very, very overblown here. And it's like, come on, man. Maybe if you'd have had a maybe believer a little bit and then kind of like Esther do something to win his trust a little more, make it, maybe trick him. And then he's like, look, like, th- no, she's not. You know what I mean? She yeah. didn't do that with me or I didn't see that because she's only shown good things in front of me. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if 
she's only nice with him. She straight up fucking told on that lady hitting on him. Yeah, she did. You know did. what yeah, I mean? She's... So, I mean, I thought that was your girl, but she's over here like, hey, mom, you know, he's over here trying to get it in with the neighbor lady. Get it in. Yeah, get yeah. it in. But you know what I mean? It, 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 there is just some problems. You know yeah. what I mean? And, uh, I feel like John's character or the character of John was all very overdone. Incredibly like that, fucking very frustrating. fucking mm-hmm. yes. Uh so frustrating it almost killed a movie for me, honestly. I'm like, come on, dude. You can't just <laughs> this is all you do. Like this is all you were made to do was to disagree with your wife. We have a group chat. <laughs> and while you were watching the movie jp texted us and he was like i don't know how much <laughs> you're like this is really hurting the yeah, film it's just it's so distracting because and like you said after you've been with somebody so long you feel like you know what i mean yeah. you would believe them no matter what you have children together you guys have gone through shit together you really, even if at the beginning you didn't believe her, you can't be that blind to not see what's going on. Right. Or your wife is in distress. Okay, hold on. Let's fix this, babe. Let's whatever. Let's something. Because something is really bothering you about this child. Let's figure it out. And your other two children do not have poker faces. No. No. <laughs> they look terrified. <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I, I do agree with you. I do enjoy this movie. Yeah. It's one, I feel like it's one to just watch. Yes. It's yes. not one to try and dig and figure out. <laughs> yeah. Because the second you do, it's like, well, that doesn't make a lot No. Of because I guarantee that this, this might sound far-fetched, but I guarantee when it comes to adoptions, paperwork is involved. No, <laughs> now yeah. they're like, and yeah. have a good day. Because <laughs> <laughs> they really just, and it's it's so surprising to me because Sister Abigail is like, oh, by the way, I, I did five minutes of research. <laughs> Not good. Yeah. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> you couldn't have done that when we were there. Yes. <laughs> and you also find it weird that Sister Abigail didn't tell anyone else at yeah. the orphanage. She's like, look, I got to go visit the Coleman's because I have fucked up bad. And yeah. Did they, oh, yeah. You know? Did they even like really investigate her? No, because like I mean, her death. Because in the in the deleted scene, she framed that man, but But that didn't happen in this. They were just like, "Well, let us know if you know anything." (laughs) Yeah, like a nun was murdered. And the last place she was 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 right here, and it fits into everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I mean, I don't know. I I feel like a lot of moments like that, and not to piggyback again, but the whole John issue is just I look. I understand using certain tropes to move the plot forward yeah Yeah. this film really doesn't work very well if john's like you know what i think you're right yeah but we gotta have something in between all these i feel like maybe yes even if you make kate a little less reliable Mm -hmm. because i know she had this past and i know that trust was broken but she got sober. She's in therapy. She's fucking trying. Mm-hmm. It's not, I mean, even if there were moments where he maybe suspect, I, it's just, it makes no sense no. for her to be, for him to be so hard on her and to not believe a fucking word she says. Yeah. And she was so excited about the adoption. Yeah. Yes. She made Esther feel at home. It's, so ju- it's, it's, too, not like, it's too much. It's not like she resented her from the beginning yeah. <laughs> or there was an issue from the start. It's something has changed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And John's like, no, she's perfect. It's no, I've yeah. never, she's never done anything wrong. Uh, now she may burn a few houses down. <laughs> <laughs> There's never been a more perfect child. Yeah. No, she did stab a kid through the jaw with a pair of scissors, but no. you know, who didn't do that when they were, <laughs> <laughs> 
So, I mean, I don't know. I do enjoy it, but watching it as closely as we're doing for the show yeah. did kind of take a down a notch. Yeah. The twist is great, though. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with you. I still really, really like this movie, but I feel like, again, like you said, we looked a little too close at it because <laughs> the last bit with the hospital and all that, that shit makes no goddamn no. sense. No. Barbara's I mean, like, all- you will never see me again. <laughs> right, I will stay here. Yeah. She said my work here is done. <laughs> Maybe they injected her too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she Mary Poppins down She's there. She's still waiting for them to come back from the soda machine. She's like, God damn. It's like, fucking hell. Talk about stretching dollars. Yeah. <laughs> um, that part the, with her that we she's completely forgettable i did not miss her i completely forgot she existed yeah um daniel this boy we don't even know what fucking happened to him no it is just i mean we already talked about the sedation it the most egregious thing to me is john's behavior but there are so many things especially in the in the back what did i say the back piece or the yeah. back bit <laughs> especially in that that it's just like oh man i'm really i'm trying like i'm trying to stay with you but for me the twist is the redeemable aspect of it yeah that and the performances yeah oh yeah they're surprisingly good specifically isabel Furman. yeah vera formiga is always good of course but i mean that is the only thing really saving this for me because that last part man yeah i will say <laughs> it's funny even saying this because there is a sequel and the mm-hmm. sequel's really fucking yeah. good. Surprisingly. Oh, yeah. I mean, shockingly good. But I appreciate them not leaving it open as like sequel bait because watching this, you're like, oh, she's fucking dead. <laughs> like, yeah. She murdered her. Yeah, they made it clear. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I like that they weren't like, oh, we'll make another one in 2010 and another one in 20... You know what I mean? Yeah. This story was over for a while. Yeah. And what they did do adds to it i can't wait to cover that one because that was a very pleasant surprise Mm -hmm. but i guess we can kind of move on to ratings uh i think we've all i know that i think i've made my feelings clear (laughs) um this one's really hard because i still really like it Mm -hmm. but i can fully admit that there are parts and it all comes down to maybe the the story of it i don't know it feels like especially at the end that they were trying to do a bunch of different things things got taken out or moved or swapped and then when you step back and look at it it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. why was she in the hospital <laughs> i just can't, i can't yeah. get past it <laughs> <laughs> they just sedated her ass. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, uh, just, no questions no, at all. Doctor's none. like this this one right here. Yeah. And, the, <laughs> and the police weren't even involved. Nope. She no. assaulted Not this at all. kid in yeah. front of yeah. everyone. And she was and, passed out for how yeah. long? Yeah. And Esther had already been brought to the hospital with a broken arm. This should have been I mean, this is this is a lot of dropped balls. Yeah. But it's making it really hard for me to score this because I still really do like it. And I'll watch it again. I'll watch it again. And the twist, the twist and Isabel Furman's performance deserve points on their own. Yeah. But so much of this is so good to me. If you take out John and you take out <laughs> kind of the muddled way to the ending. Yeah. But that does hurt it. Yeah, it does. I do still enjoy it though. That's yeah. what is <laughs> crazy. That's what makes it difficult. But on a scale from one to ten, dangerously deceiving daughters. That's fair. I'm going to reluctantly give Orphan a seven point five. Okay. 
there are aspects of this film where it should be rated higher. Right. Mm -hmm. But there are parts that just drag down the average. But I still really do like it. And I will now open up the floor. I think we all have the same gripes. Pretty much. Yeah. I think we're all in the same boat here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do enjoy this movie. Again, just watching it to watch it. Um, but yeah, looking at it too close is just really, really hurt it. Like, really hurt it. Uh, the character of Johnny was just fucking insufferable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it like, God damn, dude, really? Is it? Come on. Uh, I really, like, even, and then, like you said about his mom... And then, <laughs> and and then, um, Daniel. Daniel. It. I really even towards the end, I forgot about the mom. And then until your sister said something, <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> Daniel. I yeah. was like, "What the fuck?" And then your sister was like, "We never." I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, what the? <laughs> "You're right. We didn't. That was just it. Mm-hmm. That was it." Um, but I do enjoy the movie. Um, uh, I will be honest. The husband did knock some points off. For sure. Or say half a point. Okay. Um, because I was like, man, because this, it is good. The twist is good. Uh, and I I myself will call out Max and Daniel for doing a damn good job of also being in the movie. Yeah. And yeah. doing what they were supposed to do. They did. Looking scared when they were supposed to. Talking, you know what I mean? Their lines, their performances, everything they did. They also helped make this movie good. Yes. So... Like we said too, uh, if if one or two of them were bad, mm-hmm. it would have fucked off the mojo. But they kept it together, and they also helped make this movie good. Mm-hmm. So for that, I will because I know I'm a big one to be mad about <laughs> child <laughs> actor. Um, but they did a good job. They did a very good job. And for that, on a scale from one to ten, dangerously deceiving daughters, I'm gonna give Orphan a seven. Uh, I would have been in the same boat with the 7.5. But John. But John. Oh, man, oh. that was rough. Like, for real. It, and it, it was just that. And I didn't. And then you like you hit the nail right on the head, the trope. But it's and it's just it was overdone. Yes. And it was like, come on. I'm, you, I'm a little hard pressed to think of a worse one. Honestly. Yeah. Or a more egregious one. I mean, we've got ones where the guys are just assholes or they're yeah. the alpha male or whatever, and they're like, oh, dude, I don't give a shit. And it's <laughs> like, okay, whatever, then you're just a dickhead. You've yeah. got uh, Mika and Paranormal Activity. That's, yeah. that's exactly who I yeah. was but thinking of. This dude just would not listen to his wife whatsoever, no matter what. Just, n- no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. I don't think so. Are you fucking for real, dude? It's like, that's all you got to say? You guys were fucking in the kitchen and then now you don't give a shit about what she's got to say. What the hell? He's just a piece of shit. How did that and then he's flirting with the girl at the park. And yes. <laughs> what? It just sucks. And I think that's the thing is that it's not like he's even, <laughs> there's not even a moment that I feel like he's trying to understand. No, no not at all. What that's, she's. That's the problem. No. Not even like, a little bit. Even if we got a little bit. Mm-hmm. just him okay you know maybe that was weird or maybe whatever but n- never never one time did he give her any kind of like benefit or he was just like okay you know what i mean you're my wife we've yeah. been we've known each other for fucking how Ever. long yeah uh maybe something like i said you know earlier maybe something's wrong yeah nope 
None of that. I would have loved it like you had suggested if maybe at the start he was like, you know, that was a little weird. But then something happens to where she wins him over. Kate is yeah. just completely wrong. Yeah. Or, you know. Yeah. Okay. And then, like she tricks. Okay. Uh, Esther tricks him in such a way that it makes it almost impossible to believe. Kate. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been great. But they just didn't. Nope. Feel no. Like it. Not uh, at all. Like from jump. I think uh, he's just going to think she's a liar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing he hates his wife yeah <laughs> that's the hook <laughs> um, he likes fucking in the kitchen yeah he hates his wife <laughs> I'm just, he's a complicated cat <laughs> i'm just watching the producer like mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds great we'll green light that this weekend yeah. <laughs> leo oh that's right that's right <laughs> it's like how old's the wife yeah <laughs> i'm sad now yeah, i know I've gone on record. It's consenting adults. He can do whatever yeah. he wants. Um, we love Leo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. We do. But uh, no, there's really nothing else that I could add. Uh, the only thing that I do uh, think I want to add on the negative side is I feel like the editing is so like strange. It's oh, weird. yeah. No, yeah. I forgot. It's weird. Yeah. It's abrupt. Yeah. They will like that moment where she's screaming in the hallway at the school. Yeah. And then they're just like, <laughs> they're both looking west in the next scene. It's like, what the fuck? They're <laughs> like... We're not going to start with that. Yeah. We're going to go through an entire piano lesson. And Kate's like, hey, kid. So uh, your teacher. Like, what the fuck? That's the first thing we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And also Daniel's in huge trouble. Oh, yeah. He never gets any shit for that. Yeah. No. no at yeah. all. And he's bullying the fuck out of her. Yeah. It's not my sister. Yeah. Fucking sucks. Um, Along with what you had said on the positive side, it is the performance in the cast. Yeah. Because they really lift this up. Farrah Farmiga, I feel like she's just anything she's a part of. I'm like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know what else? I just realized she was in The, the Departed with Leo DiCaprio. Hey. We're yeah. calling him Leo. Leo. <laughs> <laughs> right, call me. We'll do lunch. Right? Yeah. <laughs> We're friends. I don't know if uh, that might have had a hand in her yeah. getting, you know, casting this. Yeah. But um, great here. Obviously, Isabel Furman. I feel like it's setting the bar so high for child acting performances. Yeah, because she is. Yeah. The accent, the. It's amazing. It's mm-hmm. it's very impressive. Uh, but <laughs> there are a lot of negatives, man. <laughs> like they drag it down for me, and it's it's I, part of it. It might be down to the script. Well, that's what I think. Because I mean, you write this character this way yeah. to be this. You know, it's, it's just hard because everybody else is good. Yeah. And then you got this dude. I feel like, honestly, maybe it's a matter of what I prefer when it comes to screenwriting. But I think that if your reason for doing something is simply to draw the story forward. Yeah. yeah that might not be the best decision. It's a problem. This is, he's only this way because then she won't be that yeah. way. You know, it's like now all you're doing is you're using a trope and it's just being used as almost a crutch yeah okay and yeah. it's only dragging the film down because if there was that bit where he's kind of more receptive mm-hmm. we would relate to him more yeah and then it would be like well you know what maybe i wouldn't believe her either after that but that never happened no nope. yeah so for me on a scale from one to ten dangerously deceptive daughters deceiving deceiving well you know it's yeah. the same thing <laughs> doesn't matter <laughs> Eight uh, dozen in one hand, twelve in the other. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give. <laughs> I'm gonna give Orphan a six point five. 
So we're stairs once again. Indeed. <laughs> it, we can't stop it. I mean, come on, man. Even George Lutz knew it was cold in the house. True. I mean, he, uh, yeah. he knew. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't a dick all the time, but he... And he, he was under like, control. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and even he was like, look. <laughs> well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Orphan and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at RealStreeter84, and at TravisMWH. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, listen to the concerns of your loved ones. Ignoring warnings could result in your life going up in flames. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for a special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Woo! Yeah. yeah. That's the story of, or whatever. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> the exact <Of> song. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not on your Apple Music right now. <laughs> a special thank you to Chris Antaveras, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez, Pierre Lombard, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Jonathan Booth, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggie, William Barry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montalvo, Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Newding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Amanda Aliff, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, David Burke, Adrian Stakes, Craig Kowalski, Beth, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Ashley Weidman, Angelica Cornelius Witt, Valerie G, JSL, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Maya Noches, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poo Poo Head, Beth Bauer, Ben Coons, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jace OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Hannah R, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, Girl That's Scary, M. Fryback, Cassandra, Andrea Simmons, Ashley Higuera, and William Rush. Thank you all so much. Yes, yes. thank you. I gotta say, you are all the best of the bester. <laughs> Is there an H in there for best? Or? Yeah, like oh, Esther. Right. Oh, like the girl. Yeah, the girl from the film. <laughs> right, the woman from the film. <laughs> yeah. The 33-year-old. <laughs> Until next time.